here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? As always, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, it's been a busy, busy week with, with G1. How have you uh, have you handled? Okay. Uh, first of all, that's not the type of introduction that a man of my stature deserves. Uh, Chris Harrington has dubbed me the guru of grappling. <laughs> I saw that. On, and, I'm not going to And therefore, that I demand. That's like, a, that's like a Dylan Waco. No, I'm not feeling that ego. <laughs> I demand to be introduced as such. From this point forward, so uh, <clears throat> okay, we can redo the whole intro. I am the guru of grappling, Rich. I listen, Chris. Chris, Chris crunched the numbers. He looked at it. <laughs> he, he crunched the numbers. He did analytics. Uh, he did some. Uh, uh, Your wins above replacement. Uh, <laughs> my wins above replacement podcast. And, and podcast score, and I have been. I am now henceforth known as the okay. guru of grappling. Thank you. Yes, no problem. No, I, I I apologize, and it will it will never happen again. I promise. So, Mr. Guru, how uh, how have your week? How's your week been going? So. Uh, my week has been fantastic. I am uh, happy to report that I my decision not to attempt to watch every G one show live has been much better for my health and happiness as compared to last year when uh, eleven out of twelve days uh, I stayed up until eight o'clock in the morning watching G one <laughs> and did not recover until Christmas. So, um, thankfully, the great Brian Rose who lives on the west coast has been jumping in for some of these uh later shows that start at like six in the morning central and uh he always does a tremendous job with his reviews so uh tag team coverage uh, yeah. for my good health and all the shows are still covered on the site and everybody's good to go so the little bit of a gap helps too i, I know just from a personal standpoint of me sort of editing this stuff and trying to put out pictures and and website traffic and that stuff it was just insane last year of just like every day and, and i know you had it even worse but it was just like 
I would wake up and immediately just go to work like eight o'clock before I would even go to my actual job. I would I'd get up early and edit the stuff and do the stuff. And it's been nice to have a little bit of a gap. But you know what? Hey, it's it's been fun regardless. So let's let's get right into that. G1 um, initial takeaways. I have so far I've, I'm trying to play catch up. I was gone last week on uh, vacation, but I was able to watch day one, uh, day two. I skipped day three. In addition to, I mean, you, you've seen it now, but obviously you didn't review it live. And then day four, I've watched most of it, but I have yet to see the, the classic matches. I was going to watch them today, but we decided to do this instead. Uh, before we get into the like, kind of the initial days, what has been your sort of takeaway initially from the shows? Because, you know, we talked a little bit about the way the format he was going to do. You know, they weren't going to possibly be able to do what they did last year. There was no way to sustain that. But, man, it's it's been still... In my mind, it might not have been the the, the knockout drag out, you know, like super shows that we got last year. But I think from what I've watched, it's been super entertaining thus far. The coming into the tournament, I think everybody agreed that it was going to be very tough to match the quality of last year um, for a variety of reasons. And I I, I tell you, through four shows, I, I don't know, man. I mean, in, in total, that's what I was going to say. In total, they might have. I mean, they, they're not. We're not getting these insane super shows like Night Four was last year. It was just like there was like five matches of the year, you know, just insane super shows. But overall, the quality, if you if you put it all together, has been pretty good. I mean, you have to kind of mix and match, you know, matches from different shows. But if you put together, a, a, you know, the best matches or like a top ten list, you, you're you're rivaling that, I think, from what it was last year. Because I think there's a lot of really good stuff. They are spread up a little bit though. So I'm pretty sure that last year, by this point. By the fourth show, there was a stinker of a show. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, was it two? Or it might have been three again, like we had this year. I, I remember it was either two or three. I think. I think it was three because one was pretty good, and then I remember no, one was fine. And then I remember two. We were like, "Wow, I can't believe that was better than one." And I think so maybe it was three I think again. The so. fourth show was awesome both years. No, so the fourth one was that. That was the insane one. Right. That was the 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 uh, the Ishii Nakamura, not the Ishii, uh, the the Ibushi Nakamura, sure. and and that yeah, that was that insane show. So the fourth show seems to be the magic. Uh, I think it was three that sucked. There was there, but... yeah, and and this year, all three shows were good. Um, now what what's funny is I'm getting pounded. I am getting pounded. Yeah, I was gonna say you of all people. <laughs> I am getting destroyed in various places because. Um, I, I'm not as high on, on some of the shows and some of the matches as other people are. <laughs> Dylan even messaged us and said, talk about the fact that he overrated a show or rated a show better than you did. We have somebody on Reddit that got mad at you too. Yeah, the comments section of the articles. So it, now here's the thing. I've, I've liked every show. In fact, I think the first show, uh, I'm sorry, the fourth show is, a, is definitely a show of the year contender, without a doubt. Um, but I think what happened was on the first show, those final three matches on the first show, which were all excellent matches. The matches were uh, Tanahashi Hanma, Shibata Nakamura, and Okada Styles. Yeah. Um, you know, those three matches I thought were all four-star matches, which is an excellent match. That's usually the bar for an excellent match. That's when a match for me, in my mind, goes from very good to excellent. I don't think any of those matches were match of the year quality. I don't think any of those matches were what I would. Okada Styles was close. I I, I like that one a lot, I, but I think it needed. Listen, it wasn't jury, quite. I, I I'm with you on that. Well, though. I was gonna say then you're with the majority because a lot, you know, um, AJ Styles in particular is a guy who throughout the entire tournament so far, most people have liked his stuff better than I have. And listen, mm -hmm. I've liked all of his matches. I just haven't gone over the top with you know you know tremendous praise for them but i've liked everything that he's done but it seems as though my reviews have been some of the most subdued on the internet which which is i don't know if that's necessarily strange <laughs> i mean i've I, listen 
I write the things, but I don't know what kind of reputation I have. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if my New Japan reviews are love letters or rah-rah sessions. I don't know that. That's for readers to decide. But uh, I have been taking a pounding. Now, um, night four, I did think was a, was a show of the year quality show like most. But I definitely did not like the one match that stands out that I didn't like as much as, as almost anybody was Nakamura versus Nagata. Nakamura, did you watch that match yet? Did you get to that? That was which? That was which? Ah, did I get to that one? I did not get to that. I think that's exactly where I stopped. Let me see where the list of um, they're all starting to blend together a little bit. Okay, yeah, that's fine. The first, the first match after intermission was Makabe versus Archer, and then it was yes, that's that's where I ended. I ended at 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 Makabe Archer, so I have not gotten to that one yet. So unfortunately, so everything from that I I've missed. So I missed all the good stuff on night four. Well, no, you saw Ishi Hanma. Oh, that's true. That was awesome. Yes. Okay. So anyway. Nakamura Nagata is a match that's getting all kinds of praise online. I mean, mm-hmm. I only gave it three stars. The thing about it was they both worked very hard. They really did. I, you know, and, and which is why I, I gave it three stars. But the fact is the match never – it didn't hold my attention. There was something mm-hmm. off with the flow of that You have that problem that with match. Nagata. I, you have that with Nagata as well. I do you have that problem are, with Nagata. A, I, a very odd relationship. <laughs> you don't know. I'm not a big Nagata guy, and that, might, that may have been part of it. I don't know. I, it's just something about him. I mean I don't hate him. But I don't. He he's not a guy who I, I look forward to ever watching. So that might have had something to do with it. The Naito AJ Styles match uh, from that show, where AJ Styles worked over the cut, um, excellent match. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but again, people said I underrated that one. I think I went three and a half, if memory serves. Um, you know, um, I, I I think what hurt that one for me is I really felt like the wrong guy won. I think AJ Styles really needs strong wins over mm-hmm. high-ranked guys as they continue to try to get him over. And Naito would have been perfect for that because they're really not doing anything with Naito right now, but he's still considered one of those uh, top-tier guys. So Styles really should have won that match, and maybe that's why I didn't like it as much as other people did. But again, I liked it. Um, you know, Anderson Okada, well, I, that, that was a good match. But, you know, I really, really loved. I thought Shibata Tanahashi was not – it was a brilliant match in many different ways. It was they did just enough to make sure it was a great match, but they still left enough on the table to really want you to to, to salivate over a potential rematch at some point. And the other thing about Shibata Tanahashi, and I know you haven't seen it yet, is it was the first match in this tournament that did not feel like a tournament match. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you know what I mean by that, but most of all, you know, these matches always feel like they're tournament matches. This match felt like there's a pace to him. There's like a hurried sort of pace sure. a lot of time. Yeah, and I, I, I get what you're saying. No, it feels like it's just a progression of it. Yeah, I, I, I get you. They're, they don't seem like single contained sort of. Yeah, and this. Match, I, I get. Yeah, I get what you're saying. There, there's a certain flow to it. It's it's, it's similar to yeah, any tournament. Any tournament match, sure. you sort of have this. And a lot of it is the length of, of matches as well. That a lot of ones are, are sort of falling into this similar, you know, ten to fifteen minutes or whatever. You know, there's there's a certain pace that they go about tournament matches versus yeah, a, a normal one. So that's what I'm really looking forward to watching. But sure, and and it just it had a big match feel right from the start. Just the way both guys were carrying themselves, and particularly Tanahashi, because Tanahashi is a guy who ever since Wrestle Kingdom has sort of been downgraded into a tag team role. Mm-hmm. They're obviously preserving his body. They're obviously saving. Uh, from this point forward in his career, 
he's going to be a guy where they save his big matches, big singles matches for big shows. He's not going to be in big singles matches every month like he, like he was the past few years, uh, whether it's the bad back or wanting to feature other guys. There's a variety of reasons. And this had a big match feel, and Tanahashi really stepped up his game for this match. It was worked at a different pace than everything else in the tournament so far. Uh, the finishing sequence was nothing short of brilliant. Uh, it played off their match from the year before. It was uh, it was just uh, very well put together. Uh, uh, the psychology was fantastic all throughout and leading into the finish. And uh, even the post-match, you know, Shibata wins the match. Uh, he, he, he hits the go to sleep. And then the penalty kick is kind of just like the cherry on. He doesn't even need mm-hmm. to do the penalty kick. He's just being an asshole. <laughs> That's just Shibata being an asshole, like you just said. Yeah. And then he hits you with the penalty kick. Uh, after the go to sleep, good night Tanahashi, and then you know he has two words to say and he storms out of there, which is total Shibata, and uh, you know it just the, the whole thing with Tanahashi's book and and how he fired shots at Shibata and it just it felt like a huge match and it delivered at that level and I loved everything about it and same thing with the the, the one match I haven't mentioned yet. Uh, the, the Ishii Hanma match, which you did see, I thought yes, it was, that was just. I liked awesome. it better than the match at Dantaku, which I thought was a great borderline match of the year caliber match, but didn't quite get there to go over the top. This one I thought did go over the top and did get there. I, it was so interesting because you've got the two underdogs, the two guys who typically work from the bottom and garner sympathy, and it was very interesting to see how they were going to work it. And uh, I tell you, has you know, from what you've seen, you know, I. Ishii and Hanma have probably been my two favorite people in a tournament where up and down the roster, hardly anybody, aside from Bad Match Fale, nobody <laughs> in this tournament has been bad. No, everyone's been been solid. But yeah, they they've they've stood out. And, and and that's not even our just just our opinion. I mean, you, you're obviously just a huge Hanma fan, and and, and we both love Ishii and, and that sort of stuff. But I've seen people on the internet, different circles of the internet, people that we don't sort of interact with, just saying, "Wow, Hanma's really good," or "Wow, he, he, like he's the guy that's just I think propelled himself." Where people didn't, re- I, I don't think people ever really appreciated just how good. I mean, we, and you've been crying for years about this, like that people just don't appreciate how good he is. And I think now people are seeing it on this big stage, and and in a lot of ways, you, you know, I I was I was watching this match, and it was over. And I completely forgot that Hanma had just been it replaced Ibushi. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, Ibushi's so out of my mind after watching Hanma and just seeing how good he's been in this entire tournament. It's like, I love Ibushi, but man, we, we didn't really lose anything by going to Hanma at didn't all. Lose a, which is, didn't lose a thing. And I tell you, he brings a completely different dynamic than Ibushi. And yes, I, yeah, I, I agree. And I think as much as I like Ibushi and I'd love to see him in the field, the thing with Hanma is he kind of steps into that Ishii role because Ishii's sort of a made guy now. So Ishii can't always... You know, he, he still works from underneath, and he's still a tremendous underdog, but people also know that he's going to win his share of matches now. Mm-hmm. And Hanma sort of slips into that role of the lovable underdog that you really, really want to see finally break through. Ishi, I just want him to hit that headbutt. Just, just want him to hit it, and you want him to win. And, 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 I, think he's, I think he's 4 of 18. Somebody did the stats. I think he's 4 of 18 so far in this. Yeah, I mean, and I think I put but... the over under at nine and a half. Which, geez, good, this is why I don't work for a Vegas odds maker because, geez, I, I can't believe he's at four. They're they're gonna they're gonna slow that down. That that's pretty extreme for him. I meant, so. I meant for <laughs> I meant for missed headbutts. I thought he only oh missed. Oh god, no, he's already oh. Because okay. I was thinking the top rope version. I figure, see, I oh, I, you know what? That might be different. I think you should classify him differently because he he's done a lot of the, the the off the ropes ones. I think those should be classified different. I figured he has ten matches, right? So I figured he'd miss one per match and maybe hit one. 
<laughs> it's so been I, like so four. I put it at nine and a half. You know what I mean? But he keeps going for you know. The, this the, match in particular, I think he missed it like eight times. That <laughs> doesn't. No, no. It was, yeah. So it was actually like four, and, I think. And, <laughs> and kind of a theory I've been tossing around um, with this whole Hanma thing. I think it may tie into the whole Shelton Benjamin thing because mm-hmm. we have Shelton Benjamin, who's four. Good lord, who's yeah. Four and zero. Oh. <laughs> 4-0 as we record and destroying G1 prediction brackets all over the place. Destroying the bracket like Mercer beating Duke. And uh, he's 4-0. But see, the final night is Hanma versus Shelton Benjamin. Oh, So yes. maybe, just maybe, now I have a feeling Benjamin's going to go on a long losing streak and uh, the knock him out of this thing. Because we've seen this sort of thing before with Taiichi and the juniors and uh, Yujiro last year, I think, was 3-0, and and then he, you know, puttered out, and I think ended up winning four or five matches or whatever. But if they keep this Shelton Benjamin underdog story going into the last night to where he's in play, you know, if he's at a point where he needs a win, and even if it, you know, 19 other guys have to lose combined with his win, sort of like the final week of the NFL season, which is how they always book this thing, if he needs a win, maybe Hanma comes in 0-9, and gets his first big win to spoil Shelton Benjamin, mm-hmm. which would give what on paper looked like a completely throwaway match uh, some some real meaning. So yeah, and then you you have a match then for the future if you really want to or or whatever if you want to have a rematch or whatever. So that, that that's yeah that's so who knows? I mean that I, yeah that'd be fun. I don't know anything obviously. That could be the direction you're going. And let me also add that this is interesting. Nobody knows anything because um, we had a conversation with someone who's in the tournament who told us. Nobody knows shit <laughs> until the final day. They don't tell yeah. these guys a thing. Um, these guys go into these matches blind and in terms of their long term. Um, they're given a finish for that night. And then it, I, I think the exact phrasing was it isn't until the final, uh, either the second to last night or last night, where you even know who's going to the finals. Right, exactly. Which I think is interesting because then these guys – aren't giving away anything with their mannerisms. They, mm-hmm. they don't subconsciously know where things are going. So they're just kind of working all of these matches as independent matches, which is, which is interesting. And that might actually be the idea behind uh, Gato and Jado structuring it like that. Well, actually I like that a lot because you, you think of a standpoint of somebody like a Shelton Benjamin, who I think is really connected. I mean, I don't know if he's, I, I'm not particularly like a huge fan of him, but he's connected with the crowd in a lot of ways where this guy, you know, He's going out there, and he's 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 more pumped up than you've seen him in God years with this. I mean, he's screaming in his entrances. He's I think he's been working a lot better than he has been normally, and I think that there is something to that where you know he's starting to win a few matches and goes, okay, I don't know what they're doing with me, but okay, like you know these guys, you, the guys don't sulk out there. They're not they're not getting out there and going, yeah, you know, I'm not going to win any of these things because they don't know. I mean, you you can't really afford to do that. You can't be a Shelton Benjamin and just go out there and 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 work at half pace like you always do because. Shit, you don't know. You, they could be pegging you for, you know, the. I mean, he's not going to make the finals. We know that. But in his mind, I mean, he, he wouldn't know that. He wouldn't know that one way or another. So I think that's good. I think it's a good strategy to do that because I think it's coming across for a lot of guys. I think Lance Archer is a guy who I think has, has, has really shown himself. David Boy Smith's another guy that I sort of predicted or, or was hoping would kind of find his himself. And he's done that. So there's a lot of people saying, well, these, these Killer Elite Squad guys are good as singles. Maybe they shouldn't, you know, become a team anymore. Maybe they should move on, which is perfect. I think that's what you really want out of this tournament is for guys to sort of find themselves and, and become new people and get rejuvenated or whatever. And Shelton Benjamin, I mean, as I said, I haven't been a huge fan of his work, but he it, it, it's hard to argue that he's not rejuvenated a little bit from this tournament. I mean, just his entrance, I was like, oh, wow, yeah, Shelton Benjamin has charisma. I forgot about that, you know? It's an excellent point uh, that you make in relation to Shelton because, as we know, if, if you can pinpoint one wrestler on earth whose performances are directly tied to his motivation, mm-hmm. it's Shelton Benjamin. 
you know when Shelton Benjamin is motivated, and you know when Shelton Benjamin isn't motivated. And like you're saying, if he knew beforehand that he's going four and six, you know what I mean? It may reflect in his performances and the way he carries himself. But when he shows up to the building and they tell him he's winning again, and he's like, holy shit, I'm going to be four and up. Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> Are they pushing me? There's an extra, there may be an extra spring in that step. And for a guy like him, more look, a lot of guys are going to go out there and they're going to do their job regardless. But he's a guy who clearly, over the course of his career, going all the way back to WWE, you knew when you were getting motivated Shelton and you knew when you were getting unmotivated Shelton. And they right. usually directly tied to how he was being used. And uh, look, that's just his personality. And, uh, you know, it, it, you really make an excellent point with that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess we started backwards. We kind of went over the entire night four show, uh, which is fine because that's the you know you didn't see that show in full. But uh, Shelton again, you know, to just finish the rest of that card, Shelton uh, upset Davy Boy Smith Jr. with that pay dirt again that's been coming out of nowhere, and he went the four and zero. I thought Satoshi Kojima really got the best out of Bad Match Fale here in the opener. Um, yeah, that's that's been glaring. Is just how, and, and and you mentioned it in the day one review. The guy's getting bigger, and that's not good at all. I mean, this guy he's he already couldn't move, and he's moving less and less. I mean, Tenzan is moving faster than he is at this point. It's just his matches suck. They're just all I've had it with this guy. Um, you know, and I think his matches haven't been good. To me, he's been the worst person in the tournament, and I really think the stock that rises because of that is Nakamura, because Nakamura managed to get two pretty decent matches out of this stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, that there's something to be said for that. And, and, and this match here with Kojima, I thought Kojima sold his ass off uh, for Fale. And, you know, even being wobbly-legged when he was on offense to put over the fact that Fale was this monster who was just beating the living shit out of him. And, you know, the other thing with Kojima is this guy never gets enough credit. Um, you know, the other guys that are of his age or, or, or from his generation, you know, he was a big star during the quote-unquote dark days in Japan. You know what I mean? And... A lot of people didn't see his his, uh, his stuff when he was in his prime, when he was on top in all Japan, when he was in New Japan the first time around. And, uh, you know, the other guys from his era are broken down. They've clearly slowed down. Look no further than Tenzan, who we'll talk yeah. about in a minute. This guy still brings it. Yeah, 43 years old and still – you wouldn't know that. I mean, you would, you'd be shocked if you, you thought he was 43. And when he's in a big match, like look, look no further than the Okada title match from last year. I mean, that was a legitimate match of the year, contender-level match. Um, so he really doesn't get enough credit. I don't think historically or in this time and place for how good that he is and the effort that he puts in. Um, so I, I, I've really enjoyed Kojima in this tournament. I've enjoyed the Shelton Benjamin story. I've enjoyed Davy boy Smith. Uh, he had a good match against Nakamura. Uh, let's see. I'm missing two matches from this show. Okay. Uh, Minoru Suzuki against Tenzan. Look, Tenzan has been surprisingly good. It's been fine. Yeah. He's been, um, not gallingly awful like he was last no, year. He's, I mean, it's been, it's been fine. He's actually been good. I mean, his matches have been good. I mean, I think that this Suzuki match was the worst of the bunch. Uh, but he's really put in a solid effort. They're working at his pace. And I forget who it was on Twitter. And uh, I'd love to give them credit. Um, but actually, I think they expanded on a point that I made. When when you let Tenzon... <laughs> the guru of grappling. I mean, I came up with an opinion, but you know. Uh, well, you know. I'm, I'm, all things, all things derived from from Joe. So. Yeah, that, sure. So when you when you let Tenzon be Tenzon and have a Tenzon match, and you work it at his pace, there's nothing wrong with it because the guy knows how to work and the guy knows how to structure a match, and he knows how to get the fans behind him. The fans love this guy. You know, he's a legitimate. Uh, you know, I I don't know if I want to go as far as say legend 
w- yeah. but why not? You he know, teeters on that. He's he's sort of in that. Sure. Yeah, he, I, I get he's you. A guy I get, that he's... they respect at that level, and um, you know, he he's done good work here. And then of course there's the uh, from this night there was the Toru Yano versus Goto match where Goto came out, attacked him before the bell. It looked like it was going to be a squash. He sets up the Shouten Kai, and Yano st- turns it into a cradle and wins with the cradle again. In, in under two minutes, just like he did to Suzuki. What do you think of what they're doing with Yano here? It's been, <laughs> it's been okay. You, I, all right, so you're not as high on it as other people. Uh, it, it's all right. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It's, it. it's fun, but um, I didn't like when it happened to Goto because I thought Goto was on a nice little momentum. And, and I, but yeah, Yano is a weird like a love hate thing. Like it, it's it's fun sometimes, but yeah, I don't. See, I will tell you what, I loved it when it happened to Goto only because it looked like they were just going to do a squash, and. It was it, it was came surprising. Out of nowhere. Yeah. I leaped off my couch. I couldn't believe it. So I kind of liked that they did it in that spot. Doing it to Suzuki uh, on the first night was more of relief. Like, oh great, now we don't have to sit through another nine minutes of these guys <laughs> uh, doing the same shit that they've been doing for the last year. Have they fought before? I didn't. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So, um, so, but here's the thing: each guy ha- kind of has their own little self-contained self-contained story going on, and. That's one. That's, that's one advantage yeah, I, to last year. Last year didn't have that element. No, it didn't. And, and I wanted to bring that up. That was something I put in, in my notes. Is that it is every sort of guy you can sort of. I mean, right now, if we wanted to, we can go one by one with the guy and sort of talk about the story that they've had so far in this tournament. And that's that really to me stands out. And that's really a, a credit to their booking is that every single guy, even down to a Naito, even down to a Carl Anderson, a, a Doc Ellis, everybody sort of has the theme that they've had so far. Where it's not just they're having these matches and they're leaving. There, there's there's stuff you can sort of pick up on and, and and things that they're doing and you know guys working Makabe's jaw and like you know everybody's doing something that sort of is tangible and you can sort of sink your teeth into and really in a way yeah, it's made it a lot more interesting where you're watching these matches and they're not just self-contained matches in, in a lot of ways where you're saying okay this is going to play off this and everything's sort of played off of one another everybody's been working so smart i think in my mind so far this tournament yeah so let's circle back i mean did you did you watch night one correct I did, yes. I've seen all of night one. So let's let's. You want to go one by one with that? I'll go one by one, and then I'll get your. Uh, since I talked extensively on night four, since you didn't see most of it, uh, I'll give a quick thought, and then you can expand on that on night one. So night one was uh, the tournament kicked off with Bad Luck Fale versus uh, Tomohiro Ishii, and I really think Ishii, like Kojima, got the most out of Fale here. Yeah, I was gonna say this is I, in my mind, I think the best Fale match of the entire tournament. But sure, I can see that, and the the, the only other thought that I have uh, coming coming out of this was. I thought it was brilliant to open the show and to open the tournament with Ishii because it really gets the crowd into it right off the bat. <laughs> and Ishii was in the opener the next night, and he's also going to be in a couple more openers moving forward. So I think that's something to look at, too. I think it's pretty smart putting Ishii in these openers. But. Yeah, he's in that. It's something WWE used to do really well in the uh, mid-2000s where they would always have that. Every pay-per-view would sort of open up with like that hot SmackDown match where it is, it'd be it Rey Mysterio or, or, or somebody that the crowd was really into initially to kick it off and then sort of go into more of the... The, the drag out sort of stuff, like which we saw with night one, which couldn't have been more of a galling like difference between crowd really into it versus, you know, Shelton Benjamin, Doc Gallows and the crowd couldn't be bothered. They couldn't care whatsoever. But no, I, I, I like that sort of I've always been of that mindset that, that the opener and and I guess that's that's sort of the mentality of most bookers. But to me that I would make the opener awesome. I would just make that really just a stick because you go to show sometimes and the opener sucks. And that's to me, it sets a bad precedent because some people say you, you don't want to burn people out initially i i think the burnout thing is the dumbest thing i've ever heard but to me i start off with something hot i start off with something that people are into that, that the crowd connects with you know a guy like ach where i would put him in the opener of almost every show i'm in because that guy will just no matter what get everybody pumped up absolutely and i, I think you also snuck in a really good point there 
while you were talking because the next match was Shelton Benjamin against Doc Gallows, and nobody cared. <laughs> that was. I, mean, I had to turn my volume up. I wasn't sure if my volume was nobody working. Nobody cared, which which kind of speaks to two things. I think number one, Doc Gallows has not been good in New Japan at all, and uh, I'm a guy who's a Doc Gallows fan. I thought he had a halfway decent uh, World Tag League when they introduced him, and it's been all downhill from there. And I think it shows because the fans do not care about Doc Gallows. Number two, Shelton Benjamin. This was before people knew what they were kind of doing with him. And on the third and fourth show, Shelton Benjamin was starting to get some reactions. So uh, they've kind of the way that they, you know, going circling back to the Shelton Benjamin sort of mini push miracle run here. They've kind of got people invested in Shelton Benjamin matches now where clearly at the start of the tournament, nobody cared about Shelton yeah, Benjamin. Yeah, right. I mean, if you look at the difference between his his victory over Fale versus this, it's 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 night and day. Sure, and I think this came off as a bit of a surprise, but you know, then you were like, eh, okay, it was kind of just Gallows ate, you know, he 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 ate him up. I mean, he took 90 percent of the match, and they pulled it off as sort of a miracle win. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking to myself, all right, it was a nice little surprise win. They like to throw these in in the tournament, and it's Doc Gallows, so who cares? He's not going anywhere anyway. But I had no idea what it was going to lead to. <laughs> what what would happen? Yeah, right. Then uh, it was Tenzan Carl Anderson, which, you know, it, had no right to be as good as it was. <laughs> sure. Well, go ahead. Talk about it. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it wasn't great. It, it was what it was. And, and I think you, you expressed that in the review as well. I think you said something like, I, I forgot, you started off with like, here's the deal or, you know, Tenzan's just being, you know, it, it is what he is. It's, it, he shouldn't be in this is what I think, I believe what you said that, you know, it's not his fault that he's in this tournament. But I think he, this was to me sort of a, um, it was telling because it was like, okay, cool. This guy looks, you know, a little bit healthy. He looks okay. I mean, and this Carl Anderson's not his best opponent, but to be fair, I they've had good matches before. They've had sort of a decent chemistry between them, and and this one I thought was okay. I thought it was pretty good, and I, I probably wouldn't have done more than two stars with it, or you know, two and a half maybe at most. But that's fine. I mean, that that if you're gonna get that out of Tenzan, two and a half, that's perfectly okay. That's. 100% okay. And this one, it was slow, but it, it, it was fine. And the crowd, I mean, the, the thing that helps with Tenzan a lot is the crowd just loves that dude. As you said, every chop they're into, every, you know, they, they, he is, I mean, you sort of teetered on the legend thing, but they sort of treat him legendary. They treat him like a, not not quite to the Liger level, but he's close to that, where, where no matter what he does, they're going to give him a reaction. It's sort of like the, the polite reaction, regardless of if his match sucks or not. They don't care. It, it's... It's Tenzan, they know him, they love him, and whatever. And and this one wasn't this one wasn't bad at all. I like it. They're gonna hiss at the chops, and they're gonna be into him, and they're gonna want him to win badly. And if you want to get heat on a New Japan show, do his chops to him early on in a match. Because oh boy, <laughs> will those fans hate that. And uh, you know, I thought Carl Anderson was excellent here, working at Tenzan's pace, and because uh, that's really what you need to do. You can't you can't work too fast with him because he just doesn't move very well. And if you let him have his kind of match, which this was, and this one built perfectly, and uh, he had the Anaconda device on, and Anderson kind of slipped out, but then he he, he uh, slammed him back down and locked it back in, and Anderson tapped, and again, you know, back-to-back yeah. -back surprising finishes. I thought it was a very good match, and like I said, you know, I want to make oh, I'm sorry, oh go, go ahead. ahead. I want to make a quick point, and we'll, we'll jump back because this is I think was important in the main event uh, with Styles and Okada, but I think w with this match, and it was something that we talked about on our preview podcast, something that I was really looking forward to is to see how the Bullet Club was going to sort of work in this tournament, how they were going to be booked and everything. And this match was pretty telling because it was like, okay, cool. You know, Anderson just just was out there, and he did his thing, and he did his match, and it was over. And, and we saw in the main event a little bit, which we'll get to, that there was a little bit of interference, but it sort of quickly was thwarted by, by guys. And it was sort of quickly, it wasn't a big deal, and, and it didn't matter. And I think that was really telling to say, okay, look, this is a tournament that is not going to be filled with Bullet Club bullshit. 
which I think was was amazing, and it, I think it's really helped the tournament a lot. And it's 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 something that we've been calling for for a year, and it, it it's it's shocking how much better their events are when it's just one versus one, guy wins, guy loses. You know what I mean? Where we haven't had just the insane stuff. There's been a little stuff here and there, but it hasn't really taken over the cards like it has for the past maybe six months or so, which I thought was good. And th- and this Carl Anderson match was the first sort of example of okay, look, these guys are going to just kind of work straight, which is fine. Excellent point. I haven't even thought about the bull. It was a major concern for me coming in, and I haven't even thought about it, uh, you know, four nights later because it hasn't been a factor. You had the one Yujiro run-in in the Okada-Styles match on this show. But I thought that was good because it, it, it didn't matter. I, I think that was a, a really good way of doing and And we can, I mean, we're jumping ahead now a little bit, but I thought that was telling because he was in there, but it didn't matter. And, and they got thwarted, and it didn't, you know, Okada still won, and it very quickly to me established, okay, look, these Bullet Club guys aren't going to be able to bail these dudes out. Look, look, I wasn't thrilled with it, but the thing is, they were playing off of the Okada-Styles title change, Mm -hmm. which finished the same way, but in this case, Okada just quickly thwarted it, like you said, drop-kicked his face off, and that was the end of Yujiro, and it got a massive pop. So from that perspective, it was fine, and it didn't really hurt the match, although I, I can still live without it. You know, I'm still the, you know, I'm still hardcore. I want to present it as sport guy, and I'm not going to come off that. Uh, but it, it didn't hurt the match, um, and and it ended up being an excellent match. And 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 look, the thing was, Okada had to win that match because he had mm-hmm. lost to Styles over and over repeatedly, and he had to get his win at some point. And uh, I didn't think he was going to go over three against them. Um, so I I, I kind of figured he was going to win that. So um, let's see, where did we leave off? Okay, we uh, next is Kojima Nagata. Right, Kojima Nagata, uh, which I thought was fine. Uh, again, I think Kojima's been very good in the tournament, um, but I, I don't have a ton else to say about it. Yeah, I, I, there was nothing that really kind of stuck out to me. It was, it was good, but yeah, there's nothing that really... Um, it was just solid. That, that's about the best I could say yeah. with it. So Good match. Uh, then they did the Yano Suzuki thing. Uh, <laughs> Which is great to finally see them get in the ring and, and square off after that long feud. But... I'll tell you, at least they burned it on night one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They got it out of the way. Get it the hell out of the way, yeah. And it only went, you know, a minute or whatever it was, and, and that was that. So um, when uh, post-intermission, we had Yujiro versus Naito, uh, which, of course, these guys are former tag team partners. Everybody knows the story. They had a long feud 2012, uh, or was it 2013? It was one or the other. It was both, actually. Yeah, it was. It, it played into both, I think, yeah. yeah. So And uh, Yujiro won that one. Again, solid match. I don't have any strong negative or positive feelings about it. It was, it was, it, it certainly didn't hurt the show. I thought it was gonna be a little bit better than it was, but I think that was just sort of, um, just sort of expectation. I mean, Yujiro has has had his little rough spots here and there uh, lately, but he he's been getting a lot better, and and Naito obviously has been a lot better. I, I expected a little bit more out of this one, but it, there wasn't anything bad with it. I just thought. It, it, to me, I was trying to play the story in my head that, you know, the past tag team, but they, they've wrestled so many times that that's really not like a big deal anymore in, in a lot of ways. So to me, I, I was expecting a little bit more, but it was still good. I, I think two and a half, three is, is, is a very easy way to rate that one, which is fine. I, I like Yujiro more than most people. It seems as though a lot of people can't stand him. I think when he's in a, a big singles match, he does a fine job. I, I don't have any issue with him. Um, and, th- and this match was fine. Um, Goto Makabe. I really liked this. I thought this was... Uh, Two guys beating the shit out of each other, which I always love. And actually, one of the themes of this actually went over my head when I was watching it, but then it dawned on me when it was pointed out by others is that they were working around each other's jaws because of the history there. So when you add that aspect into it, I probably underrated this match a bit because if I had realized that while I was watching – I definitely would have thought more of this match. So, but even without, uh, you know, um, 
I could see someone who was just checking out New Japan for the first time or as a casual viewer of New Japan uh, who may not have been aware of that, the, the whole jaw thing. Uh, it still came off as an excellent match anyway. Yeah, it, it definitely helped me because I sort of watched these on delay and I, I read somebody saying, hey, you didn't, you, you forgot to notice that, or I don't know if you noticed that he was working the jar or whatever. So when I watched this, I made sure to know of that and that just added a bunch. I mean, I thought this match was awesome and when I, when I saw your rating, I was like, ah, he probably should have done it more. But knowing now that you, you, you weren't aware of that initially, it makes a little bit of sense because I thought that was masterful because it, it, when you really start noticing and maybe maybe it's worth watching it back it, it it's it's really exciting to see sort of how that works the entire time and how guys are, are are reacting and and they just i thought they did a real good job of selling it as well makabe when when it was all over was just you know he was done and his, he was just holding his jaw like it looked like the dude yeah it was it was i thought it was really well done and and that that helped that somebody had sort of mentioned that before because i don't know if i would have noticed it on initial viewing either but but knowing it and then you know, looking for it the entire time, it, it, it definitely to me helped the match out a lot, and it was it was a really good one. This is my first um, one of the first matches of of night one that I really was like, wow, I'm I'm into this now. This is really awesome. Yeah, I totally whiffed on that aspect of it, and uh, but it, but it was still an excellent match. I really enjoyed it. Goto's a guy I really like. I don't I don't think he gets enough attention for being as good as he is. Um, Tanahashi Hanma. I, I, <laughs> I thought this was a great match, and you know, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, you got Hanma, and you got you know Tanahashi, who's who's really. I think enjoying a chance to, to once again be in a position in big singles matches, and I think he's taking advantage of it. And uh, I thought this was a, a really, a really, that was a great match. Yeah, yeah, that's about all you can say about that one. It was, is to me, um, as you said, I think that was one of the biggest aspects that I got out of this is that you, you sort of saw a, a different Tanahashi, a new excited, um, I'm trying to think of the right words, but you, you could sort of see a reinvigorated Tanahashi. Because for a while he there, he's been, and you know what, it, it might have been by choice that he's sort of been taking it off. He hasn't been going crazy, but this one was back to old Tanahashi. This was like 2011, 2012 Tanahashi right, right away. And, and, and Han was just so good at selling and, and making everything look like a million bucks. So. Some of these tag matches, Tanahashi's pretty much invisible. And uh, he'll yeah. run through his spots. He might do the, the, the crossbody off the yeah. top and, and that's it. And, and then he you disappears, know, that, you know, or he'll yeah. sell for a long time on the outside. And uh, I think he did something that was subtle, but very, very, you know, I always use the word brilliant um, early on in this match where he did not do, uh, he had a chance to do a clean break and he didn't. And he went after Hanma and that was smart because it kind of told the fans, go ahead and get behind this guy because I'm being a prick and I'm fighting dirty, even though I really don't need to, because this guy is so far beneath me that I should be able to beat him clean. But I'm going to fight this match dirty, and I'm not going to give this guy a clean break. And that sort of gave the fans the go-ahead to just get behind Hanma solid. I mean, they mm -hmm. would have been behind him anyway, but it kind of gave them more reason to sort of be angry at Tanahashi in this spot. Yeah, to establish that he's sort of the dick in this, this match. So right. <laughs> give, all, give all your praise to Hanma, please. Yeah. And those are little things. I mean, there's some pro wrestlers who get it. And there's some who get it on a whole nother level. And I think what makes Tanahashi great and a Hall of Fame level performer is he sort of gets those things on a whole nother level. And it's just a little subtle thing like that that can make all the difference in a match. And, uh, and, I, and I thought that was pretty smart. Um, Shibata Nakamura, another excellent match. Uh, you know, I gave it four stars, but it seems as though people are killing me for, for, for underrating this match. What would you think of this match? I thought four stars was fine. I, I I wouldn't have went. I think any more of that. I, I I enjoyed it a lot, and and this was a big moment for me in a lot of ways. I think I don't know if I put this one as one of the top ten ones I wanted to see, but I wanted to see sort of the booking of Shibata, and it, it's been this sort of showed me wow. Okay, he's going to be a real player in this entire thing, and it's not sort of 
a, a guy that a lot of people sort of in a prediction pool like the guy gets like he, I, I think a lot of people had him winning the entire thing or, or win at least winning his block or you know just just predicting a lot of his wins or whatever and, and that doesn't usually happen with him I mean it's it's people sort of have an idea of what Shavada should be versus what they sort of book him as uh, they they sort of assume that he's this next rising star and they don't really quite do that but but this one was was a good sort of precursor to what I think we're going to see a lot of Shavada in this in this tournament it was it was good and Nakamura is just I mean that guy just handles a crowd like no other i mean that there's there's an audible buzz when he's coming out there's an audible buzz during his matches i mean it's a big deal and this one i love this one this was a good little back and forth i like to go to sleep um uh there which is cool i guess that's that's gonna be a, a normal shibata uh, move now and then as you said it sort of established the penalty kick as well which was was cool that the go to sleep and then the penalty kick so you sort of have a, an angry shibata who, who's who's just out there but yeah no this was um this was good the only thing i would have done and, and i think one of the reasons why i think four stars is perfectly okay because I think they can do better. I think if we if we go out and say this is, you know, I think if they get 20, 25 minutes, half an hour, something like that, this could be something special. And I don't think this was that. I think this was really good, but I don't think it was as, like you said, I don't think it was special or or really, I I, I think four stars is fine. No, this was, I, thought, I, I loved it. It was, it was great, a but... really good tournament match between these guys. Mm -hmm. And it really made me want to see a long, uh, yeah, sustained absolutely. singles match on a big show between them. So I, I really liked it. And we already talked but about Shibato. I mean, he looked incredible in this match. I thought he, and what was cool too, is it sort of, you had different um, stages in this match. I mean, it's been a few days since I watched it, but I remember that there was sort of, there was a stage where, where Shibata just at one point just said, screw it and started just stiffing him. And there, there's, you know, chops there, you know, kicks in the, in the corner and that sort of stuff. And it was, it was fun because it worked at a few different paces where Nakamura wasn't looking like he, Nakamura wasn't going neck to neck with him in, in, in terms of stiff shots or something. He was just sort of out trying to out wrestle him, and Shibata was just at every corner trying to just beat the hell out of the guy. And I thought it was good. It's a good dynamic, and I think it, it established Shibata for the rest of the tournament. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it was was a classic, you know, match of the year contender. But I thought it was really good. One thing you touched on is there is definitely an audible buzz when the people know that Nakamura is next. That first tone of his his even, song, even before like, yeah. that, when they know he's coming, mm -hmm. it, more than anybody else on the roster. There's an audible buzz and 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 people are excited that he's about to come out and 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 no one else on the roster really gets that and I really hope they go through uh, with the wrestling guru's plan the guru of wrestling's plan to have him win this thing because <laughs> At I, first I was trying to figure out who the guru of wrestling I forgot the I, team, I so. am the guru of wrestling I, I was like who the hell is um, yes yeah, so, you know. Uh, for people who look, look, I was on WrestleNomics Radio this morning, and um, which is available uh, uh, on on Chris Harrington's uh, WrestleNomics page on, on Blog Talk Radio, and he dubbed me the Guru of Wrestling. So yeah, so I mean, that's it. The man, so. I, I, I I am the Guru of Wrestling now. Um, but anyway, yeah. So Nakamura, I think, gets that kind of reaction nobody else gets on the show before he even steps behind the curtain. But we already talked about the main event of Okada and Styles. So I think uh, final thoughts, night one. Do you think it was a show of the year contender? Ah, that's that's tough. Um, well, if you got to think about it that much, the answer is probably yeah. It's probably no. I mean, I liked it a lot, but I don't think it was something that when I was done, I said, yeah, th this is one that's going to be in my. Yeah, I thought it was really, really, really good, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I think it set the, uh, a good stage for what G One was going to be. But yeah, it, I, it's tough to give it a show of the year. I don't think it was quite that. Where did you put there it? Was, I don't remember. There was, I didn't. Um, I like I said, I didn't like the show as much as a lot of people did because apparently four stars wasn't enough for those last three matches in a lot of people's <laughs> eyes, which is fine. I mean, I, if if I've got the lower opinion, that's fine. I, I'll live with it. Um, uh, but there was some show of the year buzz. Dave Meltzer, I guess I should mention this. He he loved it. He called it a show of the Once year. Once he gets contender. by the paywall. <laughs> Once and, he gets by the paywall, and, yeah, that's, you know, and that's fine. If, There's more errors. Why does this thing keep shutting down, Dave? Uh, <laughs> Every time. It's amazing. He's done it for two and a half years. The now. second match 
this second match thing with Dave and the people who are sending Dave emails. It's the paywall going up. Hit refresh or don't. The picture will come back. Look, if you want the picture to come back in 10 seconds, hit refresh. If you want the picture to come back in a minute, let it let it ride. Um, depending on what browser you have, of course. I'm sure they're still all using Internet Explorer. Well, he's using Netscape. So or, you're right. <laughs> or Juno or something. Um, but, I mean, you know, you just got to hit refresh, man. That's really all it is. These people who send him these letters, it's, it's, it's amazing to me how, how – look, as we know – Because we haven't heard a thing in terms of other people. I mean, any, get, none of our followers have had a prop. We yeah. get zero. And we, we're live tweeting while it's happening. And we get zero feedback from people watching saying, hey, did your feed drop or I can't see this thing or my feed is gone. It never happens. Literally never, Rich. Like as in zero times. Yeah, I, I haven't seen one instance yet. And, and the guru of wrestling is not exactly <laughs> – is not exactly the most. Te- are you wearing like a? Uh, are you wearing like? I'm trying to think of what hat I'm you could wear. You know, like the old Johnny Carson. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna uh, get the gimmick. I'm gonna get the old uh, yeah with the diamond in the middle and the, or the ruby yeah, or yeah. whatever it is. All right, I'm not exactly the guru of wrestling. Is not exactly a uh, look. I my Twitter avatar is a green egg. Okay, that's all you need to know. I'm 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 a green egg on Twitter. I'm not the most technologically uh, sound person, and I've never had a problem with Ustream ever. Zero times, so I just it just I, it drives you nuts. But mm-hmm. uh, was it Karnak? Wasn't that the name of the Karnak? Yes, that was it. Yes, okay. Ah, you're really, you know, because I'm pretty sure Johnny Carson retired like before. That's you way were before born. my time. Yeah. I mean, there's a nice little documentary all about him that I like. I barely have. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a yeah, con, kind of sore of classic it, TV. I'm watching Gunsmoke right now. I'm not. Watching that, so. Oh jeez, uh, that was your show growing up when you ran home from school to watch Gunsmoke. So. I'm sorry. I don't even. I I can't even. <laughs> but uh, I don't. I, what I was gonna say was I don't even have good memories of Johnny Carson. But apparently, before I'm, the TV uh, signs off, oh no, my, it's, yeah, it's eight uh, o'clock. Uh, the TV signing off. Yeah, I, but apparently, I'm a big uh, proponent of Crockett signing off. No, <laughs> I was listening to radio shows before uh, the advent of television. Um, but but getting to the point I was gonna make about Meltzer is, is uh, you know, he called it a show to your contender. Okay, fine. But one thing he said really drove me nuts, and I saw other people picking up on this theme, and it's just crazy to me. This was not the best AJ Styles match of all time against Kazuchika Okada on the show. I don't care what anybody says. You're not. I don't even think. I'm not even so sure this was better than the first AJ Styles Okada mm-hmm. match, let alone the best AJ Styles match of all time. I don't know where Dave Meltzer is coming up with that. Um, he, to me, I, maybe I'm. He didn't to me stand out that much in this match. To me, it was Okada that really was like, oh, cool. You know, I thought he did a more of the work and, and and really stood out to me versus AJ Styles. I don't know. Did you feel the same way? I, AJ was fine in this match, but I didn't think it was as you said. Like I don't think I, I, I can recall a lot more AJ Styles matches back in Ring of Honor and early TNA where he was the star, and I was like, wow, the, you know, he really stepped up here. To me, I don't know. I mean, he was fine in this match, but I thought Okada was really working his ass off more. AJ Styles to me has had a ton of matches in TNA that shit all over this match, and this was an excellent match. But AJ Styles is a guy who's had super high level match of the year caliber mm-hmm. matches in his career. And uh, certainly, you know, better matches than this. I, I just I don't follow that theme. Now, look, maybe it's just a me thing because there's a lot of people calling AJ Styles the MVP of the tournament so far. And while I think he has been good, I don't I'd probably put him fourth or fifth or maybe even sixth yeah. in terms of guys who have been the MVPs of the tournament overall, because the competition's very stiff. Everybody's yeah, I, I don't know how you become an MVP when when Hanma and Ishii and those guys are. are yeah, no, no, I no mean, I, he hasn't been as good as those guys. And I mean, he's been good. He's been good. I mean, I, I'm, I, it sounds like I'm killing the guy, but I'm not. I just... <laughs> All right. So that's it for day one. Uh, day two now um, was a to me. 
this was an interesting show because when we initially did our preview and we looked at it, this one looked like a throwaway show. A lot of people, we, we sort of laughed at it because the main event didn't really stand out to us. You know, it was, it, it, it didn't look like, I mean, Tanahashi, Doc Gallows, we, we sort of laughed about that. We laughed at the card. I mean, the card, it was a $15 card. It looked like it was sort of just a throwaway one, but man, when that was over, it, it might've been because of the expectations going in, but I really, I thought this was an awesome show. I really, really had fun with it. Top to bottom, I think it was a more complete show than night one, but night one had the higher level matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, top level matches, but top. The- yeah, I thought I, it, in ring it was it was really good. I thought I, I was shocked. Really, <laughs> I mean because there wasn't any. Every match was decent. There was nothing on this show that wasn't good. I thought it was a deeper show because the first half really delivered. And um, I guess we can start going match by match. Ishi, yeah. Ishi Kojima. It's like we talked about. I really think it works when Ishi opens a show. And I really like this match. I mean, this was awesome. Yeah. It helps that I'm, that I'm really into both guys. But um, you know, I thought this was a, a an excellent match and an excellent opener. And I think maybe uh, the best open G1 opener that comes to mind for me. Period. Yeah, I'd have to really look at at the, at the history of those. But man, it'd be hard hard for us to find another one because this one I thought was uh, you gave it four stars. I think that's that's. I, I do probably three and a half, three or something like that. No, I do three and a half for sure. I, I enjoyed the hell out of this one. And I thought this is one that really stood out to me where, where I had sort of the thought that you mentioned at the top of the show that, that Kojima, it's like, man, this guy is so good. And he just, he, he doesn't get enough respect for just being as good as he is for how old he is and how, you know, how much he's, he's gone through and what he's been able to stay with. Cause no, I, I really love this one. I thought this was great. Yeah. So to me, yeah, you know, I don't know how many four star openers you're going to find, at least in the modern era of the G1. I'm sure you can go back when the tournament was structured differently. And uh, there's some Vader. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in the modern era with the block style where where it's set up similar to the way it is this year, I'd be I think you'd be hard pressed to find an opener better than that one. Um, Mm -hmm. Shelton Benjamin, I think at this point, people realize we were on to something. Uh, where again he got the shit kicked out of him for you know 99% of the match in this case, and then out of nowhere he sort of hit a jumping knee to the face of Fale and then followed up with the pay dirt, and um, it definitely surprised me. And uh, it wasn't it, you know look wasn't any kind of great match or anything. It only went five minutes, but in terms of telling uh, and furthering and advancing and establishing Shelton's story, mission accomplished. Yeah, I agree, and and this is one that, that the match itself I didn't really I, I didn't particularly like, but I the ending was awesome, and the crowd was it, it popped huge, and sort of it, it was sort of an aha moment that okay something's going on with Shelton, this is really cool, this is really fun, and and to me the the the, the crowd went insane at the end, which I thought was really cool, and it's sort of I think it was a good. I think Feli was the right opponent for this to sort of happen with. I mean, I'm, I'm not particularly, obviously, fond of, of, of what he does, but I think to have him sort of dominate this guy and then Shelton just to come out of nowhere and, and do a win, I thought was a great story, and I thought it was good, and, and I enjoyed the ending. I, it was super exciting, and I, and I love that. I mean, but yeah, it, it the match itself wasn't very good, and that's sort of the trend with Feli, but but overall, I didn't. It, it was short, and the story at the end was cool. So to me, I, I, I thought of this match more fondly than people who would just look at sort of the in-ring. I thought with the story involved and the ending and stuff, there was a lot in there that, that I enjoyed. But yeah, no, I'm glad it was five minutes and not any longer because <laughs> I don't want to watch any more of Fale, But I think all Fale matches need to be structured like this. I think he just needs to dominate and then either withstand one comeback and win or dominate and lose via a fluke. Because if you keep it short, that's best for all parties involved. And also it retains his aura of being a monster if he loses on these flukes. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really the best way to go with him to keep these matches under 10 minutes, forget 10 to keep these matches under eight minutes or so <laughs> and five, <laughs> let him dominate 
and then either just put the guy away with the bad luck fall, which has been a very much a protected move. You got to give him a lot of credit for that because nobody kicks out of that thing. And when somebody finally does, it's really going to mean something. Or just have him lose on the fluke, and it retains his aura if he does. So uh, next was Goto and Yujiro. Look, this wasn't bad at all. You know, I, I, I you know, it's, it's the one thing about this match was Yujiro had this long, methodical, um, 1988 WWF house show <laughs> style heel control period. And look, that's really not my preferred style of match, you know, to begin with, but I definitely don't want to see that sort of match in a G1. So that's a minor critique. At least it was a little different. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, it's, it, it reminded me of one of those like long main of WWE main event matches, the television mm-hmm. show main event, not a main event of a show, but there. It reminded me of an Adrian Neville match <laughs> NXT where it's just like, you know that it could be better, but it's just sort of like, yeah, I'll do the headlocks for a little bit. And then, then like at the end we'll do a lot, but for the most part, it's just going to be kind of stalling. And then there's going to be a commercial break in between. Like I was shocked there wasn't a commercial break at some point, you know, you know, Yujiro yeah, yeah, <laughs> has the advantage of Goto when we come back. It like, had that w- old WWF or even modern WWE feel of no, their yeah. TV yeah. matches where the, the, the heel just beat you down. And then the... you needed Yujiro to knock Goto out of the ring and then like, them to show Goto on the, on the entryway and then <laughs> Michael Cole to scream, oh! Yeah, and then run a commercial yeah, you for... Drove with the, yeah, you drove with the advantage. We'll, we'll be very back. Run a commercial for a Yano DVD. Right. And, uh, and, then, and then the face comes back. Like when NXT is the goddamn... I hate that, the, the biggest pet because I'm watching NXT right now to review it, where, where they, they do commercial breaks. It's like, why, why are you... And then they just show like a, a two-second commercial of something and then they go right back. It's like, what? Are, what, are, what? Total like, you're teaching these people. You're teaching these people that it's just why do you want to teach? Because they have to. That's how they structure their television matches. But that's uh, not. And this is exactly the sort of thing which people don't understand. Ah, why is Kenta going to development? This is why because he needs to. So we can sit out on the entry ramp and know that there's a. a, a, Well, I mean, you know, commercial. Because if you go there live, if you go to a taping, you can tell the difference. Like when they know that they're because you don't live, you have no idea when they're going to commercial, but you can sort of there's a different way to work where, and you could tell when it's like, okay, you know, 10 seconds till we're back. And then all of a sudden something happens, you know, for that's different. I mean, people aren't used to that. Yeah. We're joking about it, but you got to learn so their match thinking. structure. You know, that's right. how they do it. But anyway, this match, and then Goto made the baby face come back at the end. And, you know, he fought, it was such a WWE match. Him, he like, <laughs> he, he avoided the Tokyo pimps. And then he made his comeback, ran through all of his trademark shit, hit his finisher and won. It was like watching a uh, main event. It really was. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it was fine. Nothing wrong with it. And then uh, the next match was Naito versus Archer. Archer had the first night off along with Davy Boy Smith, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Right. So Those two, yeah. I think it was just them two. Yep. Yeah. And this was uh, – I like this. I've seen some divergent opinions on this match. I thought that Archer was great in the role as the heel bully, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just beating the shit out of the face. And um, and then, you know, I thought the finish was uh, very creative. Archer went for – he kind of does that full Nelson sit-out slam. Yeah. I mean, he calls it the fucking slam, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, and, and right before he picked him up for it, he, he – I don't know who he was yelling at. It was either Naito or a fan or somebody, but he yelled, fuck you, really loud. 
I was kind of taking... <laughs> and they were told not to do that. They, they, I know Carl uh, uh, Anderson and them said that they had a sort of... The New Japan, because you know, they would just go to the ring and just shout whatever obscenities in English right. at the camera. I think New Japan was like, okay, we understand more English than you think. Like, yeah. tone it down on the... Like, as the Bucks and Anderson would just be like, yeah, that's fucking right. Like, <laughs> right. like the entire time down the ring while they're staring at the camera. It's like, ah, you know, we know English. Like, uh, I don't know. You can't get away with that. Yeah. This one was loud. And it was, oh, no, I heard it too, and, yeah. And, and then, uh, but Naito reversed it into a small package and uh, and picked up the win. I thought that was a really cool finish. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's and the crowd was good for this match. So I, mm-hmm. I uh, some people didn't like this match. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought it was good. I, I didn't think it was, you know, blow away or really awesome, but I think it, it was it was fine. It was perfectly good, and I thought, as you said, the interplay between Archer being the bully and Naito sort of being the underdog, which I think is the best role for him when he's actually good at, at, at selling – and to me, it was fine. It was good. And I like I, the finish particularly I liked. I, I thought that was pretty cool that sort of the, the bully gets at the end, you know, the bully gets thwarted and, 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 and Naito sort of goes out there. And he's a guy, Naito, I think has had a really good tournament as well. And, and this was another, um, to me, another good match from him. And it would sort of be a theme for him because he's really, to me, he hasn't really stood out, but it's, it, it, he, he's been okay. Or I don't know how the right way to, he's been pretty good. It, that's To me, I, I was sort of worried about him because he's a guy that sort of has lost a lot of momentum, but the crowd's still into him, which I think is good. And this match in particular, they were cheering for him the entire time, and there was chance for Naito during the whole match. And it's, it sort of motivated him, you could tell, too, because he's a guy who's, who's a lot of times in the past year has come out to crickets or people just straight up turning on him. But, but it, I, this was good for him. Naito has lost momentum in terms of the booking, but I really think he's had a great year in the ring. I really, yeah. I really do. Um, Nagata Hanma was next. And, you know, it, it's, I, I don't think it's possible for Hanma to have a bad match in this setting. I really don't. And this one was very good, um, especially for the spot on the card. So, uh, and as usual, he came up short at the end. And 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 this is a guy that Nagata look. Nagata's not going to win this tournament, or or probably be in the mix at the end. But Hanma is a guy he's going to beat. So right. So uh, I didn't have any problems with this. It was, again, this was a show where every match was pretty good. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's, it's the best thing I can say about this match. Is, match is, is yeah, just pretty good. Right. Yeah. That's... Next up was Nakamura versus Davy Boy Smith. And uh, this is Davy Boy Smith's debut in the tournament because he had night one off along with Archer. And I tell you, I the one thing I was kind of hoping it would be later in the card coming into the show because I was hoping they'd get a little more time. But they ended up getting a lot of time. Yeah. So I can't really uh, be critical of that. And I really love this love this match. I, I, I it, it, it met my expectations, mm-hmm. and it really felt like Davy Boy Smith much like his tag team partner earlier in the show was in a bully role here. And he was just, yeah. And, and hit, I want to point this out about Davy boy Smith too. He's the one guy. And you know how I feel about inconsequential rest holds, inconsequential rest holds drive me nuts. And when I say inconsequential rest holds, I mean, when it's just an obvious reverse chin lock thrown into the middle of the match for no reason other than to catch their breath. And then it has nothing to do with the story of the match. I can't right. stand that. I can't stand rest holds just for the sake of rest holds. Uh, I think um, sometimes that's why they're there, just just to just to do something more compelling. We're in the age of MMA. Uh, people know what's really dangerous and what isn't really dangerous. Uh, lock in an MMA hold. It serves the same yeah. purpose, but it might add something to the match. Yeah, the headlock, the yeah, the, the, side the sitting headlock, headlock thing, or, yeah, the rever- or the nerve hold, or the reverse chin line. Like, that stuff is so passe. I mean, we're beyond that. Um, and I think we've we've evolved beyond that. Wrestling progresses. I don't want to get in this whole thing again, but <laughs> things move forward, 
and some, the nerve hold isn't quite <laughs> isn't be, quite what it was yeah, I mean, 20 years ago. Yeah, things we have to leave behind, and that's okay. And uh, we really need to move forward. But the thing about Davy Boy Smith is, this is a guy who uses a ton of quote unquote rest holds in his matches, and he puts on a lot of holes and things like that. But it's never lazy, and it always adds to the story of the match. For instance. In this match, he was ragdolling Nakamura all over the place, just tossing him around, beating him up, hitting power moves, and then he would immediately go to a hold to wear him down further. Then he'd pick him up, or Nakamura would get to the ropes, and he'd throw him around again, ragdoll him, and get him back in a hold. And the story yeah. here was that he was just laying his weight in and, and wearing this man down. And it added to the match. It wasn't inconsequential. It wasn't just thrown in because you ran out of, an, you ran out of ideas or you got lazy or – you're just giving the facade of adding psychology to a match, which a lot of people do. It was none of that. It all meant something, and it all worked into the flow of the match. And it really, as a result, it felt like Nakamura really had to fight, scratch, crawl, kick, and die to win this match, and uh, which he eventually did. So, Yeah, I thought um, what was funny, you, you sort of mentioned the bully role too, and I think what, what David Smith does better um, than just about anybody in, in New Japan, in my mind, even better than Foley, is he sort of has a monster role that, that, and he's not like a gigantic guy, but the way he sort of conducts himself when he goes out of the ring, you know, he's he's a guy that screams at the people in the front row or whatever, and just the way he sort of does his offense, he feels and looks like a big monster that's just sort of out there, and as you mentioned, like, you know, he, he especially in the guy, you know, he's against Nakamura in this match, and it, it's, it's, you wouldn't think that this guy would sort of be the, the, would be portrayed or, or really present himself as, you know, you know, a big heel monster guy or, you know, a scary guy or whatever. But he really did in this match. Not that, that was really telling. And, and it got over where, where the fans were really legitimately rooting for Nakamura to sort of get a comeback on this guy. And, and you know, he would keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. But this monster Davy Boy, which is, is crazy because Davy Boy, I mean, he's not that gigantic of a guy. But I think he does such a good job of, of, of harnessing that in New Japan. Um, yeah, and I thought this match in particular, I mean, every time he was out of the ring, he was screaming at fans, you know, doing like the thing where he lunges at him or he's going to hit him or whatever, and people running out of the way and stuff. And I think he, he does, I mean, when he's got people in the, the, the rest holds, he's really good at sort of interacting with the crowd, interacting with the wrestler, not just sitting there and, and, and doing it and looking away and snarling or whatever. But I think, yeah, he, he to this, and he's a guy that I've really been rooting for to really get that next kind of push or that next level. And I think this was a good start to it because I thought it was a good match. I really, really enjoyed this one. Say what you want about Yano, but he always gets good crowd reactions. And uh, when he came out for this match against AJ Styles, I thought the crowd uh, really responded to him well, and they really responded well. And this was, a, let me tell you, this was a really hot crowd period, which I think probably yeah. picked up a lot of these helped a lot, yeah. average matches and made them seem a little bit better than they were. Um, it, what I thought was fun about this match, look, I didn't think it was a great wrestling match or anything like that, but what I thought was fun was AJ Styles just having no idea what to make of this guy. Just, you know, Yano's doing all these, his... Uh, He's going through all of his theatrics and his and his nonsense and his antics, and AJ is kind of just standing there looking at him like, "What the hell am I in for uh, <laughs> with this match here?" So, um, I think AJ too really carries himself well as a heel, but he where he runs into a problem is when he talks. I really think Carl Anderson needs to do 99%, if not 100% of the talking for the Bullet Club. Mm -hmm. AJ Styles needs to stop trying to cut heel promos because it's not going to happen. He's never going to be able to cut a good heel. It's not going to happen. No, um, it was, yeah. But he does carry yeah. himself well as a heel. I do think he carries himself well in the ring as a heel, um, especially in that Naito match where he went right after the cut. Um, but this match was it, – it, look, it was what it was. It was it was fine. Um Yano, you know, used some of his antics, but then it ended up backfiring because uh, AJ did a, you know, uh, a, a 
sort of a, a back suplex to toss Yano into the empty turnbuckle. And then, um, of course, AJ was going to win this. And he won it clean with the Styles Clash, which you really don't want any other finish for a match against Yano. He, he needed to beat him clean with the Styles Clash. Yeah, uh, that's nothing really to me. I mean, it was good. Nothing really stood out to me, but yeah, it was it was solid, and and that was just the trend that we've had with this this night again. I mean, it's a match that we sort of looked at and maybe thought, ah, this is going to be garbage, but it wasn't. Garbage. It was really good. It, it was it was solid. So yeah, that's that's about all I can say um, with that. But I, I agree with you on the Anderson point that that Styles and it, it happened in TNA too when when he did its sort of emo heel role thing that he was doing. It was just like no, it, it, like he's just not. I mean, the way he the way he talks, he's super. He's like an old school, like Harry Von Eric babyface, the way he Absolutely. sort of talks. Like he's not very good at talking. He's got that sort of southern drawl to him. It's like you can't believe that this guy is like a truly evil person. Where you need Anderson, who just is like a total asshole, jackass, or whatever. Like Styles just seems so nice when he talks that it doesn't work. But he's really good. Yeah, in the ring, I think he's good at, at portraying the kind of the dickish, cocky, you know, heel. But yeah, on the mic, he's just no, yeah, it, no more. <laughs> it just shouldn't happen. But no, this was another good match from Styles, and 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 Yano had a good one too. But yeah, this is sort of. Um, and I thought this was another one, as I mentioned, the Bowl Club trend where, again, it didn't affect the outcome too much. So that, that was fun for me to see that it was just sort of, even against Yano, where even a match that was could have been a throwaway, where you could have just had a ton of Bowl Club stuff, they chose not to, which, which I thought was no, good. They're not even coming ringside with each other. They're just, right. it's, just it, it's, it's, it's not a factor. Tenzan Okada, I thought, was another excellent match. Probably, let me think about it. Nah, I think I like Nakamura, Davy Boy Smith more. So it was probably the second best match on the No, actually, Kojima Ishii was the best match on the show. Forgot about that because it was the opener. Yeah. But this was the third best match on the show for me. And, uh, you know, it was good. Another example of Tenzon uh, doing a good job and stepping up in a big spot and Okada doing a good job with him. So uh, excellent match. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was um... – yeah, that's uh, it's, it's it's Okada to me has has been great, but yeah, Tenzan equally has just sort of he's he's stepped up in a lot of ways, and he he looks a little bit healthier obviously than he was last year, or what he's been this entire year. So that, I thought this was this was really good. It, it was it was better than again that when you look at it on paper, you go Tenzan Okada, oh, God, this is gonna be awful, but it, it wasn't at all. It was really good. Makabe Anderson was the only match on the show that I would say was a letdown. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like I didn't like you didn't like it either. No, I don't think anybody it was, liked it. It was there. I, don't think anybody it, was liked it. there. Yeah, it was just there. I mean, nothing stood out to me. When it was over, it was just like, oh, all right. Like, you know what? Like, I, I couldn't even, talking about it now, I can't even recall big spot. I, I can't recall it anything. It was very from, dry. To be honest. It was very yeah. dry. And uh, it was instantly forgettable. Main event was Tanahashi and Gallows. And, you know, I really thought this was a chance for Gallows to really step up and have that New Japan performance that he needs to, to, uh, to 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 finally establish himself with the company, it just didn't happen. I mean, the match was fine, but it was all Tanahashi, and um, I don't know. It, it just it just didn't. It never got to the next level, and it, it 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 may end up going down as the worst main event on the entire tour. Yeah, it, and that's that's a gallows thing. I mean, yeah, it's. It stood out. I mean, when when when, the net, when we initially went through the preview, this was one that we sort of said, "Ah, wow, this is the fifteen dollars show," and you can tell from this main event. Yeah, I, I agree. It never really. It was. It's hard to describe because I think Tanahashi did a good job with it, and I thought Gallows was was okay. But as a main event on G One, it just was unacceptable to me for that. I mean, you, you need to be a lot better for that, and and that's there's a reason why it was a fifteen dollars show, and it's a reason why maybe it was one for some people to take off. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. I think we're sort of. It wasn't bad. It was a good. We're match. We're, yeah. we're sort of bashing it here like it was awful, and it wasn't awful, but it's it's not a main event for a G one. It's just not. All right. So day three. I thought day three. You didn't see the show. No. No. So 
not yet. I decided to skip it. After reading reviews and hearing everybody's thing, I decided, look, I'm, I'm way behind on these shows. I'm trying to binge watch these. I'm going to skip three because well, three w- seemed like a good choice. Yeah, I mean, it was the worst of the four, but that doesn't mean it was a bad show because I don't think it was a bad show. It was a little disjointed. It was a little odd. Um, I don't think anything on it was necessarily great, but, um, you know, it, it wasn't bad either. It wasn't the kind of show where if it was the only one you caught, you were disappointed. You just got unlucky and saw the worst of the four. So I'll run through it real quick since you really don't have a ton to add. Mm-hmm. So day three, let's see. That would have been the 25th from uh, Yamagata, I believe. So, yeah. So Doc Gallows over Hanma in the opener. Sort of the same theory with having Ishii in the opener. I think it's kind of smart to have Hanma in an opener as well. And he won that with the Gallows poll. It was fine. Uh, Lance Archer, Carl Anderson. Archer won this with the blackout. I think the theme that was starting to develop here was that Carl Anderson had not had a victory yet. So he started off 0-3, which if you go 0-4, you pretty much have no chance because 6-4 is not going to get you into the finals. Uh, It's not going to win you the block. So that's kind of why he had to beat Okada on night four because they weren't going to eliminate – I don't think Carl Anderson is going to win the block, but they weren't going to eliminate Carl Anderson that soon in the tournament by having him start 0-4. So as soon as he lost to Archer here, you kind of knew he was going to beat Okada on the next night. This match was centered around Carl Anderson going after Archer's leg, and it was a pretty simple story. And then Archer came back, and he won it with the blackout anyway. The the third match was Tenzan against Yujiro. Again, much like – you know, the rest of this show, you know, it wasn't a standout match, but, you know, it didn't really take you out of things either. And Tenzan got a somewhat surprising win as he won it again with the Anaconda device. And then, of course, Shelton Benjamin against Ishii. No one on earth, especially after starting 2-0, and thought that Shelton Benjamin would go 3-0 and and win this match. I think we had, I'm going to look at my, uh, the stats of people predicting this one. Uh, because Shelton's had just amazing. Um, he was predicted, four people predicted him uh, in our G1 contest to win, uh, beat Balak Valley, which is 3.7% of our voters. So that was interesting. This one uh, wasn't quite as bad, but we had 29.25%. So nobody, or uh, no, I guess 30. that's not even, no, 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 never mind. 16% okay, for this so 16%, one. Okay, so 16%. So again, a very, I'm surprised there were. So 17 total voters thought he would, which is. I, I'm <laughs> surprised 17 people took Shelton yeah. Benjamin over Ishii. That's amazing to me. But again, you know, you won it sort of out of nowhere with the pay dirt. He got a little more offense in this one than he did in the first two matches, but there you go. Uh, Naito against Yano. Naito won this one with the Stardust Press. And then we came back from the intermission. Davey Boy Smith Jr. against Shibata, which, uh, look, this was, a, this was an interesting little slugfest here. And Davey Boy Smith Jr. got on the board with a bulldog bomb. And then Bad Luck Fale against Yuji Nagata. Uh, I hated this match. <laughs> I can't imagine this one was <laughs> too I, good I, in your book. I didn't. I didn't like this match at all. Uh, Folly got the win there. Goto against Suzuki. Suzuki's a guy who's done nothing in this tournament. And no, he's been a, a nothing. I mean, he's almost been a non-factor to me. Uh, it's 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 amazing. I mean, how a guy was. He's had one night off, so he's only had the three matches. But none of the matches have been great. I mean, none of them have even you know stood out at all. So uh, you know, he lost to Goto here, and um, there was one spot that uh, I wanted to make mention of that uh, we didn't in the, uh, I guess it was the Suzuki uh, Tenzan match from the fourth day. Since we already went through day four, I want to, I'll bring this up now. Um, The story there was he just, Suzuki just could not put Tenzan away. Okay. 
and he couldn't get him in the gotch pile driver. Tenzon kept slipping out. So Suzuki grabbed Tenzon in a side headlock, pulled him over his back, and yanked him down to the ground and then put him in a sleeper hold to pin him. And one of the more vicious finishes I've seen to a match, not only in this tournament, but period. Um, and, and I thought that was a real creative finish and a, and a real vicious finish that we did not talk about on the fourth night where Suzuki finally picked up his first win. Mm -hmm. But uh, I figured I'd bring that up now since I forgot about it the first time around. And it was a real good finish to that match. It was kind of like, I can't get this guy up for the gotch pile driver. I can't put him away. What do I got to do to beat this guy? So he pulled out one of his old school finishes, pulled him over his back by the neck, <laughs> and then put him in the in, in the ground sleeper. And, and, and Tenzon tapped immediately, which was also key to that spot. Uh, because if he holds on and, and taps 30 seconds later, it takes away the impact of how vicious it was. So that was very smart. Um, but getting back to night three, yeah. So aside from that, Suzuki has made no impact, aside from right. the finish of that, of that match on night four. Tanahashi Kojima, I like this a lot. Thought it was an excellent match. Uh, Tanahashi went high fly flow. And the main event was Okada against Makabe. And was not nearly as good, of course, as their uh, pay-per-view main event, title main event last year, which was an excellent match, where you still think Makabe won on that 2.9 count. <laughs> I'm telling you. But Okada, Watch it. But Okada wins this one with the Rainmaker. So that was night three. Do, do we have a 2.99999 from Okada in this one or no? No. No, we did not. <sighs> we did not have a 2.999 kickout. Okada's the best at those 2.9 kickouts, but uh, we did not have one here. And unfortunately, you know, uh, Rich hadn't seen it yet, so we can't really get into heavy detail on that one. Brian Rose has the review up on the uh, up on the website for that. Yeah, which, by the way, if, if you haven't already, we have everything up there. We're, we've been covering it like crazy. So go to VoicesWrestling.com. It's, it's all there. You'll see it. It's just caked on with, with New Japan coverage predictions and previews and that sort of stuff. So definitely check that out. We have a review of every show as well. So definitely, if you have not, VoicesWrestling.com. Boom. So, the, uh, do we have the standings in front of us right now? Let's see. We do. I can get, yes, for the G1 contest, which has been a whole lot of fun, and people are really into it, and it's been, um, it's been more successful than I even thought it would be, and more people are way into it. Like, every morning, I, I just wake up to thousands of people saying, oh, crap, I'm this and this and in the G1 tournament, so that, that's, it's a lot of fun. So, we have a three-way tie at the top. It's Adam Hastings has 28 points, Jesse Ewak, uh, E-W-A-I-K. How would you pronounce that? I'd go with Ewak. Ewak. All right. Well, Jesse Ewak, he is at 28. And then Jordan uh, Bennerman at 28 as well. Uh, Dylan Hales, who was um, our TNA reviewer, who was on top for, for quite a few days, is stuck at 26. And he's considering you. Uh, his theory is that your mob involvement has caused that. But he had a really bad night for um, second place, Will Young at 27. And then our good friend, Alan. Alan Forell is at also at 27. So, um, And then there's a giant tie at third. It, it, it's, it's been very interesting because there's not really anybody that I would say is totally out of it. There's there's a few guys at the way, way bottom of the list. Like we got one guy that's got 14, one that's got 15, a few that have 17. But for the most part, everyone's pretty well in there. I am not doing all that well. I am uh, – the hell am I? I'm better than I thought I would be though. Uh, 21. And, and one that, that I'm always sort of looking at is Chris Harrington because he did his strictly via statistics of like, you know, one-on-one -on -one competition, you know, momentum of these guys or whatever. So his he goes in with absolutely zero knowledge of who's actually going to win this. Like he has bad luck folly winning, uh, you know, going to Dome against AJ Styles. So I was like, I don't know that's going to work. But, you know, he's doing it straight stats just off that. He has 20. So he's not doing well, but he's not doing as awful as I thought he would by just basically not knowing any of the the real booking or whatever, but no, it's been a lot of fun. And, and one thing that I thought was particularly interesting before we sort of move on to the next, um, 
we have we, we've been running is is statistics on who people predict are going to win matches going forward. Like you know, you and I, we can make our stupid predictions of who we think is going to win. But I thought it was really interesting to see we have 106 voters who they sort of vote for winning each match because there's there's been huge upsets. Like you know, I mentioned the Shelton one was crazy against Bad Luck Folly, where four people or three or four people voted him in. Um, did you want me to cover uh, the night five predictions? Sure, let's take a look at it. Real quick, yeah, let's do that real quick. So you have um, first match, make sure I have this right. We have a giant spreadsheet, so it's hard to say. Is the Ishii Gallows, right? Is the front, let me check here real quick to say. Okay, yes, yes. So the Monday one is the Ishii Gallows uh, starts off. We have um, Ishii is the heavy favorite this one at 68.8% of our voters uh, have Ishii beating Gallows in that one, so that was pretty interesting. This one might be our closest yet. I'd have to see. This is pretty insanely close between Archer and Tenzon. We have Archer as a favorite at 49.06%, uh, Tenzon at 48.1%, and then we actually have three people that thought there was going to be a draw between Archer and Tenzon, so that's, that's pretty interesting. Another super close one, uh, Kojima and Davey Boy Smith. We had Davey Boy Smith at exactly 50% of our voters think he's going to win over Kojima's 48.1%, with another two draws for that one, so that's pretty interesting. A lot of people predicting a draw people there. people with the draws. This is insane. People, you, you'd be shocked at how many people are, are, are voting draws. I didn't put a single draw in any of it, because I think it's impossible to really predict a draw outside of really kind of top dudes. Like, you, you get, like, maybe, you know, like last year we had an Okada Tanahashi, which makes sense. Those are two top guys. You don't really want anybody to win. But you'd be amazed. I mean, every – we have a Doc Gallows Balak Valley that has eight draws on, on night six. Wow. And just you, – you'd be shocked at how many draws are sort of in these um, ones. Uh, Minoru Suzuki uh, Yujiro, we have Minoru as a favorite at 52.8. Uh, the next one we have Carl Anderson Toro Yano. We have Anderson at 76.4% of the voters think him. So pretty – I'd be uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I wonder if Yano uh, pulls out another upset here. I think here. Anderson has to win. I think he has to keep winning. As soon as he gets that fourth loss, people are going to know he's dust. So I think right. he goes on a little winning streak here. Well, so we'll see about that one. Uh, next one, Shibata Benjamin. This is another <laughs> be another shocking Benjamin upset if he gets. Uh, he's got ten point three percent of the voters, uh, and Shibata has eighty nine point six. And Shibata throughout this has been predicted to win, you know, almost more than any. I mean, him, Tanahashi, Okada, and Nakamura are are in the top, and that's that's interesting. People love their Shibata man. They they think he's going to win every time. Uh, AJ Styles uh, seventy six point four against uh, Hiroki Goto. So Goto has a heavy underdog here. Uh, Tanahashi Fale not five draws in this one. Um, Tanahashi, only 57.1% of the voters think he's going to win. Uh, Balak Fali at 38.1%. Uh, Nakamura Hanma, I'm surprised 21 people picked Hanma for this one. I'm assuming most of those people forgot to update their picks uh, post-Ibushi. Sure, yeah. Because I'd be uh, a little shocked if Nakamura, who's only got 80.1% 80, 80 of the voters, uh, does not win this one uh, very easily. And then the main event, uh, Okada, actually not as, as strong of a favorite as I thought. He's only got 53.7% of the voters think he's going to beat uh uh, tell you said Naito. Uh, Naito, sorry. I could so see, Naito I at forty three point four, but that could be a decent upset I if you really want to. Naito getting his win back from mm -hmm. home there easily. I, I, that's a to me that's a coin flip match. I would be absolutely shocked if Shelton Benjamin kept the winning streak going against Shibata. That would yeah. I, I, I could actually see. There'd be riots. There'd be riots in the streets if that happened. Although I tell you what, they can definitely. I, you know, this is making. You know, it's on the second half of the card, which is very rare for Benjamin. I can definitely see them building to the pay dirt spot if they're smart about this and really making that uh, an excellent uh, spot in the match and, and making this an excellent match if Shibata can somehow fight off the pay dirt. Because uh, I, I can't see Benjamin. This, this has to be where the Benjamin thing ends. It has to be. <laughs> and, and I believe he has somebody ridiculous on the next night as well. The next show isn't until the 31st. 
and it is let me see he's got nakamura yeah and that we have uh exactly six percent of our voters think he's gonna beat nakamura so so i mean come on he's he's gotta lose those two if points. he beats nakamura it's all he over. has to lose just, those two matches just, he has to um so so there you go this show overall and this uh the 28th of course which is a little few hours from when we're recording might be over by the time people hear it so let's go ahead and make ourselves look stupid i think this has the potential to be an excellent show I think you got Naito Okada, you've got Hama Nakamura, which is, Hama Nakamura is gonna be awesome. It's a lock. I think Tanahashi, at the rate he's going, is gonna get something out of bad match Fale. Uh Goto Styles has the potential to be real good. Shibata Benjamin, like I just said, has the potential to be real good. I think Kojima Davy Boy Smith is gonna be really fun Kojima, too. Kojima Davy Boy Smith has a potential to be real good. Anything with Ishii has the potential. look, this has the chance to be a hell of a card. So looking forward to it. And uh, where are they? They're from what city? We have them here. Let's Sendai, maybe. Uh, let me see. I got it in this gigantic spreadsheet. Uh, yeah, the Sendai Sun Plaza Hall. So there you go. G one. Now the standings. Shelton Benjamin, <laughs> the loaded block A, is leading block A at this point. <laughs> all alone, all alone with eight points. So he's the only guy who was undefeated thus far. Actually, is that true? Has anybody who's had a day off gone three and zero? I don't think. Oh, Tanahashi hasn't uh, lost, or, or has he? No, Tanahashi. Yes. Tanahashi lost to Shibata, obviously. So he. Has yeah, lost. right, right. Uh, Goto has a loss. Naito has a loss. Okada has a loss. Everyone has a loss. So, Shelton Benjamin <laughs> is your only undefeated competitor. Is not even anybody who's three and zero. So, he leads the block. Tanahashi's in second place with six, and then of course the log jam until you get down to Hanma with zero, and the B block is just you know everybody's got between six and two. So it's it's a big log jam there. It's too early to really tell. But it's Goto, Naito, and Okada with six points each who are technically on top. AJ Styles, who did who has only had three matches, but he's one and two. So he only has two points. So I would expect him to rise up and uh, eventually finish first or sec- first or second in the block. So uh, but overall I'll tell you, I would rank the shows in the following order. If you haven't seen them, you want to catch up, you don't have time to watch them all. Night four was the best. Yep. Followed by night one. Then I would go night two and night three. Mm-hmm. So uh, the best matches, in my opinion, to this point, I think pretty easily the two best matches were both from night four. I'd go with Tanahashi Shibata and Hanma Ishii in that order as the two best matches from the tournament so far. After that, you've got the three matches from night one, Tanahashi Hanma, Shibata Nakamura, Okada Styles, and the um, Ishii Kojima match from night two would be my next four. So I'll give you a top. Those are my top six matches so far from the tournament. Now, you haven't seen everything. Yeah, I haven't seen night four yet, so I can't. I I, I don't feel comfortable because a lot of those, I mean, that that to me, I'm looking at the end of that card and I'm just salivating because that's, I think, going to blow up. You know my the, the, my list of, of, of top matches so far, yeah, but you might end up really liking the Nakamura and Nagata more than I did, and you might really like the Naito AJ Styles more than I did because everybody else seemed to love them. So, and actually, uh, Dylan Hales, who typically gives the 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 worst New Japan reviews of anybody on the internet, um, he liked that show as a show of the year contender. Top of the mm-hmm. So, if he thinks it was a great show, I can guarantee you that it was a great show. <laughs> He's not a man easy to please, so... No. Yeah. By the way, read his Impact Reviews at voiceofwrestling.com if you really want a guy who's not easy to please. Yes. But those have been great, by the way. Those are the best thing ever. They're, they're tremendous Impact Reviews, tremendous stuff. 
All right. Do you want to stay in Japan here real quick? Uh, talk about the Dragon Gate Kobe world. You reviewed it for the website. I, uh, unfortunately, as mentioned, I'm behind on everything, so I have not had a chance to watch that one yet. But from what I've seen uh, from most of the reviews, not only just yours, a lot of people may be a victim of expectations. Um, where a lot of people were disappointed that it wasn't quite what we said. I mean, on our podcast, we were saying, oh, my God, you know, there's five match of the year contenders at the end of this thing. It wasn't quite that, but still a really good show overall, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a good show. Um, victim of expectations, yeah, probably, because I think people with the lineup that was on paper thought it could be the best show of the year. I don't think it yeah. was better than Dead or Alive. I don't think it was better than a bunch of New Japan shows. In fact, I don't even think it's close to a to show of the year level. But it was still a good show. But listen, that they have a high bar to clear just like new Japan over the last couple of years has had a high bar to clear. Um, people are talking about this show as if it was, you know, a, a disappointing one. If this were it, look, expectations matter and, and, and groundwork that has been late, you know, by promotions matters. I mean, if this was a TNA show, people would be raving about how tremendous it was. Yeah. If this were a WWE show, people would be going, be raving about how, how great it was. I mean, you know, it's blue battleground out of the water. Um, We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> but WWE's had some strong pay-per-views this year until Battleground, and I still think this is probably better than most of them, if not all of them, but because the bar was so high for Dragon Gate, it came off a bit disappointing. So, um, you know, that matters. You, you have a, when you, that's, the, that's the double-edged sword of being a hot promotion and putting on a bunch of great shows is that you have a really high bar to clear. I think, in, you know, in, in a sense, some of the G1 shows maybe are suffering from that uh, in the way I'm looking at them. You know, night one really was a tremendous show, but yeah. hey, man, in New Japan, it's G one. You want <laughs> in New Japan is G one. You got to be better than tremendous. So, uh, you know, to be when you're being compared to other shows uh, from New Japan and from the G one. So, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It was a good show. It was it was a good watch. It was a fun watch. It just didn't meet the uh, crazy expectations. The best match by far was the open to twin gate match, T Hawk and Aita which we've talked about. They won the titles from Tozawa and Shingo. Mm -hmm. But in a little, uh, you know, little wrench in the story here, it was not the weak link Tozawa that took the fall. It was Shingo who took the fall. So, you know, Dragon Gate always has something up their sleeve. But, uh, and this is what I remember you saying, that there, I, I don't think there's any way that Tozawa and Shingo don't win. But you know what? You never know a Dragon Gate. And you never and know. And they win. And, 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 and T-Hawk clearly earmarked for stardom. Uh, mm -hmm. He's the one who scored the fall on Shingo and it was Tazawa who uh, fought valiantly throughout the whole match and did not back down from, from the millennials who have had his number. And, and the story coming in was that he was going to be the one that would be the weak link. And it didn't play out that way. Uh, it ended up being uh, uh, Shingo who, who took the fall and he was trapped in the, uh, the submission hold, the same submission hold, that he threw in the towel for Tazawa when Tazawa was trapped in that hold in the uh, in the go home show for this pay per view, and Tazawa fought like hell and fought to the death to break it up, but he was being held back, and finally he helped Tazawa uh, break free from the hold. So that was the big spot in the match, and the way the camera was positioned for this was just perfect because you saw the level of pain on Tazawa's face. You saw, Taz I'm sorry, on Shingo's face as he's being held in this hold. You saw Tazawa in the background on the opposite side of the ring being held back as he's fighting and scratching and crawling and digging his nails into the mat. 
to try to help to try to get to Shingo to help him escape from the hold. And you see Aita's facial expressions as he has Shingo in this submission hold, desperately trying to get him to tap. And it was just a great spot. It was perfect camera work. I loved everything about it. Finally, Tazawa on the second attempt, he got he got to Shingo once and started pounding on Aita's back, but T Hawk, you know, uh got to him and pulled him away. And then he finally got to him a second time and finally uh, helped break the hold. And then uh, the closing stretch was, uh, was very good, but eventually T-Hawk hit the uh, night ride on Shingo. Shingo kicked out to show some fight, but then uh, T-Hawk hit a second one and that was it. Shingo couldn't withstand two in a row. And there was a ton of great storytelling here. It was multi-layered. And the Millennials have won the Twin Gate. And T-Hawk and Aita are well on their way to becoming big stars, especially T-Hawk. Because uh, Aita, Aita's size is a barrier even here. I mean, he's tiny even by Dragon Gate standards. T-Hawk has it all. He's got the size. He's got the skill. He's got the youth. Um, he's really he's already a top-level guy, and he's, he's only going to get better. And if you're going to watch one match from this show, this is the match I recommend watching. And I actually recommend watching some of the matches that led up to this as well. So you can completely understand uh, the psychology involved in the match, in the match itself. So uh, it's called the, I couldn't think of it, but the, uh, the crucifix scissored crucifix hold that Aita uses is called the numero uno. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah. you know, and um, that's the move he used to beat Tazawa in a trios match where Shingo threw in the towel. Right. Tazawa would not tap. And he had it on Shingo in this one. So just a great story, a great match. And the main event, Yamato versus BB Hulk. Hey, look, this was a very good match. One match at your level or anything like that. But it, it, it also told a great story. The ABC story of BB Hulk, you know, being the forgotten guy and mad blanky and then um, breaking free of the group and going out on his own. And, and Yamato, who's really been sneaky good this year. I mean, wrestler of the year caliber good. And uh, this is a similar story to the match where Yamato beat Ricochet to win the Dream Gate title, where Yamato uses, early on in that match, he used a wrench to attack Ricochet's knee, and then Ricochet sold the leg for the rest of the match. In this match, he, uh, he used a chair to injure B.B. Hulk's knee. Now, B.B. Hulk did not sell the leg as well as Ricochet did in the Ricochet-Yamato match. That's one criticism that I have, and I noticed that other mm-hmm. people had as well. BB Hulk did not sell. Ricochet did a, a wonderful job in his match selling the leg. Yeah, right. And uh, Hulk didn't do as good of a job, but you know he overcame that, and he won it clean. He used like a Phoenix Splash type uh, maneuver, and he won his first ever Dream Gate title. He, he, he was the open the uh, was it Freedom Gate Dragon Gate? USA? Yes, yeah. He was the first open the Freedom Gate champion, Freedom Gate, yeah. and, and he's held all the other you know titles. I'm surprised. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, but he's never been the Dream. Feels Gate like champion. a guy that would have done that. Yeah, oh, yeah feels like so a guy that would have. That's his first win. And uh, he does it over a Mad Blanky member. And uh, and then, uh, you know, it looked like it, 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 they turned on Yamato. Mad Blanky, you know, Doi looks like he's poised to be the leader of Mad Blanky now because they uh, they put the boots to Yamato after the match. You know, those dastardly Mad Blanky members. So they, <laughs> it looks like Doi is going to be the undisputed leader now with Cyber Kong, KZ, Mondai Ryu, and, and Punch Tamananga as his uh, – as the underneath guys. And, and, and obviously in a group like that, Doi would be the leader being the most veteran guy. So, and as I'm actually, I'm looking at the cards moving forward. I want to see if that, if they, uh, let's see, Yamato. Well, actually they're in England right now. Dragon Gate UK. The UK. So yeah. It's a little hard to tell, but let's see. I know they have, uh, 
big card coming up for Scandalgate on the 5th of August. And no, Yamato is still apparently, he's teaming with Punch Tamanaga against uh, Tazawa and Shingo. So, so just a, you were bad. I haven't read the translations of, of what Doi had to say, but uh, let's see. Okay, I found it. Doi shoved down Yamato after the main event and got on his case for losing. He praised Hulk for winning in a convincing fashion and offered to put the title around his waist. Yeah, this is something I forgot about that I hated. Hulk actually fell for that. That's like the oldest heel tactic in the book. <laughs> so he actually turned around and offered his back. And then, of course, Doi, you know, beat the shit out of him and they put the right, post yeah. to him. And uh, and Doi put the title on himself, you know, so <laughs> fucking Doi. But, uh, yeah, so I guess that was just more or less of a how dare you lose kind of thing uh, by shoving down Yamato after the match. But because it looks like Yamato's still aligned with those guys moving forward. So, um yeah, the match was fine. I, I didn't like that Hulk fell for that. It made him look like a total geek. He looked like a total idiot falling for that. I didn't like that at all. Um, other stuff on the card. I mean, we got to talk about Shima and Matt Seidel against Yoshina and Ricochet. Seidel looked very shaky at first. Um, you know, Shima and Yoshino started the match off. They tagged in Ricochet and Seidel to kind of build towards the first confrontation of these two guys. And, you know, they they, they ran through sort of the... You know that spot you do in the beginning of a match where two guys and they want to come off evenly matched, that they're equals and they're going tit for tat? Well, that's kind of right. You know, yeah. They tagged in Ricochet and Seidel went through. And Seidel had a little bit of trouble keeping up with Ricochet at first. And he kind of lost them on a spot a little bit. Now, it wasn't, you know, blatantly obvious where he looked awful or anything. But, you know, to the trained eye, it was obvious that he was a half a step behind. But the rest of the match, he was fine. And you got to remember, this is his first match literally in years. Yeah. You know, and. On, a, on the biggest stage possible. I mean, this is one of the, you know, probably one of the 10 biggest shows in the world on a yearly basis. Would you agree with that? I mean, this is their biggest show. Certainly. Oh, absolutely. And, no. and you know, no doubt. You know you, you're going to put it behind your WrestleManias, Royal Rumbles, SummerSlams, probably a couple other WWE shows. You're going to put it behind your Wrestle Kingdoms or your G1 Finals. And, you know, maybe you're a couple other. But but it's probably a top 10, you know, behind Triple Mania, maybe CMLL Anniversary, shows like that. Mm-hmm. But it's right there in the mix with all those shows as a top 10 show of the year. And, and, you know, this is where he chose to come back. So he was fine for the rest of the show. He did dueling shooting star press spot with Ricochet later in the match where they each did it to from opposite corners. Um, and he kept up just fine after that. Look, it, it, you know, it's he this wasn't classic Matt Seidel by any means, but he wasn't bad either. So I think I think um some people are, are making it out that he was worse than he really was. I thought he was fine right after that initial kind of shaky uh, first tag in. Um, <clears throat> but yes, I know I'm hoping he sticks around. But, uh, you know, Yoshino won it. He put the Sol Nascente on Sima. Sima fought to escape, but then Ricochet kept coming off the top rope <laughs> with moves on top of Sh- <laughs> Every time Shima was about to escape, he would give him a shooting star press or, you know, a super kick to the face. And then eventually it was too much. And, 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 and Shima, see the fact that Shima took the fall leads me to believe that maybe they would at least like to have Seidel come back, you know, cause why not have mm-hmm. him take the fall if it was a one and done. So, and why not just have Ricochet, you know what I mean? To sort of pass the torch. Yeah, absolutely. So it leads me to believe that they would at least like to have him back. And of course his brother was just there for a 90 day, uh, learning excursion sort of deal at, at the dojo, uh, earlier this year. So there's still that connection as well. So, excuse me. So hopefully, hopefully we see him back, but, uh, that match was good. You know, it wasn't great. 
wasn't matched to your caliber or anything, but again, it was good. And and the the, the Triangle Gate match was good, and Flamita versus Dragon Kid was good. Um, that was one that I heard a lot of people were sort of, and, and that was again, I think that's victim of expectation. I think we all just thought that was going to be just a the, the one of the best you know juniors or one of the best high flying matches of the year, and it, it it wasn't quite that correct. Well, after what Flamita did with Jimmy Susumu, which was a legitimate match of the year contender, and just a match that blew me away and blew a lot of people away. And then you consider the dragon kid has sort of been this state of the art top level. Uh, see, he's sort of been what the brave gate has been built around for all these years. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. been sort of Certainly, dragon yeah. get, dragon kids territory. And, um, you know, it, it, it didn't, it, yeah, it's just another match on the show that didn't quite meet expectations, but was still a very good match. Okay, you're going to notice real quick here, we uh, we had to switch to phones because Skype was just not working out whatsoever. So Joe is going to sound a little bit less than uh, usual quality. The guru of grappling is, unfortunately, the guru of high-speed internet right now, but that's fine. So, Joe, we were talking about Dragon Gate before we got cut off. Um, you were kind of going over um, some of the matches, you know, a few of the disappointing matches. We talked about the Flamita Dragon Kid um, and the expectations with that one and sort of how that delivered. Anything else that really stood out to you with the, with this card or, or stuff that people should seek out or watch if they haven't already? I feel like I've uh, I've gone over I've I've gone about I've done about four rants on the show already that didn't record. Them, so. <laughs> uh, I think I think just to, to roll it up into a general theme is if you're a hardcore Dragon Gate fan if you haven't seen the show yet you definitely need to watch it because a lot of things happen on the show that you're really gonna dig, and it was a pretty good show. If you're not a hardcore dra- uh, Dragon Gate fan or you're a casual Dragon Gate fan and you haven't gotten around to seeing it yet, uh, you probably really only need to see the Twin Gate. And then I would go ahead and watch the uh, the main event as well, since there was a big title change and, and an angle afterwards and all that. And then maybe just cherry pick the rest with the people that you normally enjoy watching. I don't think it's a show where I'm going to be screaming at wrestling fans. You need to go watch this show start to finish because it was a great show. It, it was it was a very good show, uh, um, but disappointing by by Dragon Gate standards and by the standards of the lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else uh, Dragon Gate wise, or should we go stateside and talk a little bit here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could just very quickly go over the first couple matches of the Scandal Gate lineup that they have up because I think it's pretty interesting. I think it's a pretty yeah. decent lineup. We've got Yamato and Punch Tamanaga against Akira Tazawa and Shingo. The reason that's a significant match is the storyline with Punch Tamanaga, and that actually played out in Kobe as well, is he has been getting himself disqualified in all of his matches in protest until he gets to face Shingo. So, <laughs> uh, every single match ends in under three minutes where by him either beating up the referee or grabbing a chair and murdering everybody in sight. And uh, he will not stop this rampage until he is booked with Shingo. So he has his chance here, uh, teaming with Iwato against the Zawa and Shingo. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Talk and Aita against Masato Yoshino and Yuha Nation. I don't know if this is for the Twin Gate titles. It doesn't specify that. But uh, at any rate. And the Open the Dream Gate, this will be... D.B. Hulk's first defense, and of course it's going to be against Doi, who stole the title. So oh, right at it, yeah. That's uh, and this will not be on Ustream, by the way, for people that are curious. And and no future uh, looking at and Dragon Gate's always been sort of weird about um, Ustream, and it's only been you know reserved for the really top 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 shows. But for people notice or wondering, they they are not on Ustream right now listed. So and I would be highly surprised if they're ever on Ustream again. So I'd be shocked. I mean, they have until the end of September is the deadline. They have until mid September to schedule shows the end of September to air them as of October 1st there, they will not be airing any more iPay-per-views. There's no word if this is on iPay-per-view. It is from Cork and Hall, so there is some uh, hope 
that it may end up on iPay-Per-View if they choose to run for more before the deadline, because this is uh, August 5th from Cork and all. At any yeah. rate, since it's from Cork, and it's definitely going to make tape. So, yeah, um, exactly. So we'll, we'll get it one way or another. So. Absolutely. So uh, we'll move stateside here real quick. Not a ton going on in WWE right now. There's some stories kind of behind the scenes uh, that are kind of bigger than um, the actual storyline stuff. But real quickly, uh, Battleground, which happened uh, last Sunday, uh, you watched it. I've watched most of it already. Man, there, there, <laughs> it was bound to have a stinker uh, on WWE Network uh, pay-per-view, but this one was, yes, yeah, not good at all. It's a really bad show. That over 50% of it was not wrestling matches, so that, that's not good. Fucking stunk, Rich. Just say it. Yeah. It sucked. It was awful. Not good. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a shame because they just gave away all those free network subscriptions. Maybe they converted some of those people into buyers. And then the first live pay-per-view they give them is their worst pay-per-view of the year because they've really yeah. had a pretty strong year on pay-per-view. Um, but this show was awful. And, you know, the one match on paper that looked like it'd be the best match never happened. Yeah, exactly. and I'm actually okay with that decision to not have them. Here's the thing that, that, that sort of got me about this, and I, I mentioned it on Twitter you know, while it was going on, is, yeah, I didn't want – I mean, the way they did it was not the way I would do it. I don't think the bait and switch of, hey, this match is going to happen. Oh, wait, no, it's not. It, it, it's total you know, horse shit, and people, oh, well, you know, card subjects to change. But, yeah, okay. But th- this is one of the only real kind of in-ring matches that a lot of people were really looking forward to. So I don't really like that. I don't think it should have been made in the first place whatsoever, so I didn't really mind that they didn't fight, but I, I don't like the idea that, that you would wait until midway through the show or whatever to make it known that these guys aren't going to... I mean, that, that to me is just... And it sucked the air out of everything. Yeah, it's, it's like you said. They probably shouldn't have done the match this fast to begin with. We talked about that on the last show. They should have saved it for SummerSlam to begin with. But once you announce it, you know, you kind of have to go through with it. Um, I don't know. Maybe they thought better of it after they had already announced it or already booked it and then just switched gears. But, uh, yeah, it, it, the whole first half of the show was awkward. And then, well, aside from the opener with the, with the Wyatts and the Usos, which I'm shocked that the Usos retain. Um, yeah, why is that happening still? <laughs> I don't know. but It's like Ken Koji never dropping the titles to KES. It's like, come on. Just I, I'd time, like, right? like to see Rowan and Harper have a tag title run, but at the same time, it doesn't bother me that the Usos won. What will bother me is that they continue further against the Y. Hopefully they move on to something else now. Yeah. Um, I don't care if it's Red Axel. I don't care who it is. got a roster with over 100 wrestlers on it. Can we please stop doing the same tag team title match over and over? But uh, they were out with a bang. It was a good match, but then the card was all downhill from there. Everything else on this card ranged from terrible to average. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Rusev Swagger wasn't any good. AJ Lee Page was awful. Uh, Jericho Wyatt, I, I know you're shocked, but Bray Wyatt had another shitty match. So that's yeah, really he, shocking again. Bray Wyatt's really a guy who, at this point, it's become obvious that he's just going to have the level of his match is going to level off depending on who he's facing. And, uh, you know, when he's having a, a gimmick heavy match against John Cena, it's good. When he was in there against Daniel Bryan, it was good. When he's in there against the extremely green Roman Reigns, it's bad. When he's in there against, you know, an aging, another comeback, unimpressive to this point, Chris Jericho, it's bad. So, um, I don't, you know, I, I, you know, it's 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 the old adage, but it seems like he needs to be carried. And, uh, you know, I get a decent match against Sheamus, who's de- you know who's decent. So yeah. it just it, it follows the pattern every time with him. So yeah. But, uh, the Battle Royal was nothing to talk about. And the, the main event, I thought, was just I, – I hated that main event. It was awful, I thought. The main event was everything you hate about WWE. It's just Yeah, it, it was a raw main event to me, and it, it was just yeah, it was it, a, awful. Just, it nailed it. It was a raw main event. It was just boring. And 
Um, the only kind of silver lining in the main event was, um, you know, Roman Reigns did get a chance to shine even though he didn't win, which, you know, was, was obviously the right thing to do since that's the direction they're going. And, you know, he ran around and hit all his signature stuff on everybody. And, um, you know, and, and Cena retained as expected. But, I, you know, it's, it's, it's beating a dead horse at this point. You know, it's who wants to see Kane and Randy Orton in these main events? I, I, I don't know who these people are, if they even exist, and if they do, who they are, because I never meet them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't met them either. So yeah, that, that's that's um, anything else. I mean, WWE, there's not a ton else that I can really um, go over. We know obviously we have Daniel Bryan. Um, the the word that he's going to get another surgery, uh, so he's he looks like he's going to be out for quite a while. It's probably going to be the rest of the year that he's done. So which is fine. I'd rather him come back healthy than than sort of half. But yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to get the same Daniel Bryan we had before. Um, you have the Sting WWE stuff. That's not really too interesting to me. Uh, it is what it is. Um, yeah, there's not too much. I mean, obviously you have the litigation or the possible litigation with, with CM Punk. We've heard that they're unhappy uh, with how he left or anything like that. I, I don't see much coming from that, but but who knows? Um, and then the Rey Mysterio stuff, obviously with 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 them sort of he he's done cashing checks uh, of theirs, so there's some weird stuff there. If there's gonna be litigation on on his side, but for the most part, I mean, there's nothing compelling right now about WWE to me. I don't know if I'm just being a, a, a sort of a a pessimist, but there's I mean I I'm having a tough time getting excited about anything going on right now. No, I mean, there's not a ton going on in the company right now. I think the big things are the investor call coming up this week. Yep. And I don't know if you're going to be... Uh, I will be, yeah. I'll be, I'll be listening to that live and, and, and tweeting about it on, on the at Voice of Wrestling and, and hopefully writing an article about it. But I'm sure Chris Harrington will have an article out before I even do it. That'll be better than mine. But I'll there be covering go. it live and talking about it. So you might we'll as well. We'll live from the Twitter feed from your job. So one of these days you're going to get fired. But that's okay. Because uh, covering these investor calls and watching Dragon Gate Infinity certainly takes precedence over uh, doing your job. <laughs> Whatever I actually do. Yeah. Which is what you actually do during the course of your day. So you'll be on top of the investor call. So will Chris yep. Harrington. And I'm sure David Dixon's family will be on top of it, too. Uh, so along with us, those are the people you're going to want to follow that day um, with the WWE investor call. And then uh, the other big theme going on is Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam against John Cena. And yep. Um, uh, I'll plug my WrestleNomics appearance again. We did touch on that topic, and I did run by Chris my idea of if Brock Lesnar doesn't significantly increase the network subscriptions with this match, it might be time to just burn his appearances and cut bait because that's a very expensive expenditure hanging over their head for very little return. Yeah, I agree. No, I think that's um, – and it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that, that's to me, I'm wondering – the Paul Heyman promo uh, on Raw is getting a lot of buzz, and I, I rightfully so. It was an awesome promo or whatever. But to me, I'm just not feeling it this time because it's just – to me, Cena, and, and I talk about this with a few other people, is – and it's not that – I mean, we, we – we we have to preface on this website. We've we've never been you know huge ah Cena socks or ah uh, Cena enough or you know LOL Cena wins or any of that. I mean we we don't really care because we we understand why he's sort of pushed. But there's there's a general apathy that's sort of going on with him right now that among even people that enjoyed him or even people that are really into him. There's just I don't know if there's really enough in the way that they're sort of building this match. It seems like and what the way they build John Cena for the past eight years is you know hey some people boo him and some people cheer him. Uh, it's just you know it is what it is. It's just like I, is there really a compelling Parts of that. I mean, the, the only thing that, that's really interesting about that is, hey, did they give the title to Brock Lesnar, and how does that sort of work out if they do? But for the most part, I mean, that's it. I just, I, I can't see how they're going to build this into something profound. And maybe, maybe they will. Maybe John Cena will pull something out of his ass and and, and make it work. But I don't know, man. It's just it, to me, there's just nothing compelling about seeing John Cena in a main event in 2014 anymore. It's just, it, it does nothing for me anymore. 
Well, they, they had a good match the first time around, and this one could be a good match. And they're starting to lay the bricks for the legacy portion of John Cena's career. Mm-hmm. Um, you see them starting to lay the foundation for that as they transition to Roman Reigns. So your days might be numbered for where you have to deal with him at the top moving forward. He's sort of moving, uh, they're sort of moving him into that legacy stage, and you see the, the small steps being taken to get towards that point. Maybe he loses to Brock, and then Brock loses to Roman Reigns at, at WrestleMania or whatever, and then we move on into that next era. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Cause it's clear that it's full steam ahead with Roman Reigns. And like I've said on this show a million times, um, the floor for Roman Reigns is the Randy Orton level because at this point they've decided that he's getting the big push. They're not going to turn back on that. He's getting it, and he's going to be presented as a top-level superstar moving forward for the next decade, whether he really is or not, just like Randy Orton. Mm -hmm. So get ready for Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns is going to be at the top of the cards for the next 10 years. Whether he deserves to be or not, he's going to be because they already view him as the future, and they're going to view him as a star, whether the reality says so or not, similar to what we saw with Randy Orton. So it, it, to me, that's the floor because the decision has already been made. Um, so there you go. So at that point, I think you know they're getting ready to transition Cena into sort of that protected legend role. Um, so this could be the last hurrah for Cena. Who knows? We'll see. But, um, you know, as far as Brock goes, maybe he's the one who finally moves these network numbers. Maybe this is the match that finally does it. We'll, we'll find Joe, out. Joe, you need to give it time. All right, we're going to see if this match called Thursday. That it's just time that you need. Look, we're going to get a number this week on the investor call. And then we're going to get a, the number after that is going to be the one that's going to tell you what kind of difference Brock made. So, um I guess we'll find out, but that's going on with WWE, and I guess the only other thing that WWE is when you know when they decide to debut Kenta. So, and it yeah, that's interesting. He, um, yeah, because I did. I, I would hope quick, and I'm actually in my uh, my NXT review that I'm working on right now. I have a little opening paragraph where I sort of talk about needing a jolt to NXT and, and something needs to happen and they've signed these guys and maybe this is an opportunity to have them learn a little bit more on the job where these guys don't need to be sort of shuttled away in, in, in some back you know, ring, you know, working on stuff or, or, or learning these things where maybe you throw them on NXT and then you get that jolt where people are like, cool, you know what these, because as I said, the, the key demo and it, and we've preached it from the beginning too, is, is the hardcore fans. I mean, those are the ones that bought classics on demand, the 24 seven. Those are the ones that, that do sort of a lot of the, the, the end work is these hardcore fans or whatever. It's not the casuals. So if you can throw a nugget to them and say, Hey, look, Kenta, Kevin Steen and Prince Devitt are on NXT. That's, I mean, that's a big deal. That's a lot of people are retaining some subscriptions. People that don't already have them might go see them where, you know, because NXT is, is, is to me still one of the bigger things that they haven't really capitalized on yet is it's original content. It's new every week. You know, there's, there's a fun in seeing, you know, the next generation of people or whatever. And there's, to me, it, they're hitting a lull with this thing where it's been coming hard for me to review this every single week because the matches suck, the cards suck, and the show hasn't been very good at all lately. And that's, they need a jolt. So maybe, you know, maybe that's time where Kenta just right away, it just goes up and learns on the job there. I, I don't know. I think the NXT, I, doubt it. I think the NXT quarterly specials have been one of the few things that the network has gotten right. Yeah. Um, so from that perspective, and I think NXT has a much higher profile now thanks to the network than it did pre-network, which I think is also a good thing. But yeah, otherwise the network 
as I was just discussing with Chris earlier, it's not serving any master. It's not serving the hardcore master because they've stopped adding the world-class and ECW content. They haven't added any new uh, territories. Um, and they're not serving the casual master because clearly they haven't because the, the total buys have been disappointing, which means they're not offering content that the, that the modern fan wants either. So what, what master are they serving? It's time to start serving some master here yeah. to try to get this thing to where it needs to be. Um, instead of you know slowly crawling there, and, and this number is going to be telling. If this number is under eight hundred thousand, that's that's a real bad sign because then you yeah. can't even make the argument that they're slowly crawling to where they need to be because that's basically no growth. Right, it's mild growth, yeah, which is at this point not really acceptable anymore. I mean, you really need to get so yeah. I think a million is that nice round number that they would love to announce this week. And, and judging by the screaming about joining the WWE Network on every second of the TV, uh, probably not there. No. Oh, and, I, and like I said weeks ago, I think if they were at the million level, they'd you be would know about the rooftops. I don't right. buy this shit that, oh, we're not going to release out-of-cycle numbers. Bullshit. Uh, if the number was that impressive, they'd be out there screaming it. And this is a company that makes up stats to make themselves feel good sure. all the time. You don't think that they would scream about a real stat of real buyer numbers that, that's, that or, nice round million? Yeah. Or leak it, you know? Right, that's TMZ or you know, something stupid like that, yeah. In the face of uh, constant investor concern on top of that. So, um, you know, I don't know. But that, that, to me, the investor call is the most interesting thing going on right now until SummerSlam. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get out of here real quick, I wanted to mention that we're doing a, uh, after the success of the G1, Larry, you're, you're good, or everyone's good buddy. Larry has decided to do a, uh, and he's going to front it. He's paying for prizes. He doesn't know what the prizes are for sure, but uh, if you're a Pro Wrestling Guerrilla fan and you're into the Battle of Los Angeles 14, we're doing a pick'em bracket pool deal with that. Uh, if you want to sign up, it's at bit, uh, so B-I-T dot L-Y slash V-O-W dash P-W-G-B-O-L-A 14. So you can do that. Uh, Larry hasn't exactly said what prizes they are, but they're going to be good prizes. We have a spreadsheet ready to go and all that sort of stuff. So similar to the G1, but that's kind of our new deal now, I guess, is people are expecting us to do contests because we do them well. So that's fine. They're, they're a lot of fun, and, and, and it, it adds a little bit of intrigue. And we've seen with the G1 alone where, where more people, I think, are are interested in the results and interested in coverage because of it. And that, that that's the goal right there is just to get people more excited about, you know, events. So whatever way it happens is, is fine with me, so. They are, it looks like AR Fox is not going to participate, but yes. the problem is PWG hasn't announced a replacement or anything like that, so for, for, the, for the purposes of our pick we kind of have to just leave them there until PWG tells so us. they make a word. Because, yeah, I don't want to put a TBD and because that's then, you know, it's, it, it, and you have to choose that on your own. I mean, I'm going to let people obviously until the final day send in brackets or, or whatever. So that's fine. But I mean, just be be aware that when you're sending stuff in, if you're sending it in and you're seeing Air Fox and you're picking him to win a bunch of ones, he's out. But I haven't been able to replace him yet or put a TBD because they haven't officially done it yet. I have to go with their official word versus what I sort of assume and the assumption and, and the, the, the idea is that he's out completely and, and we, we know that he's out, but until they make a word of either replacement or that he's officially out, I can't do the same. So sure, because that's he, on them. So he could show up at the card injured and just lose on a you know, little roll up or something right. to a heel or something. You know what I mean? And you know, Yeah, they haven't said anything yet on their end, so I can't possibly you know, I can't just assume what, what they're gonna do. I go by their official word and that and that's what it is. So sure. And if you do, you know, and if if he ends up being replaced like last, you know, at the night of the show, and look, if you pick AR Fox, you're essentially just picking his slot. So I yeah, exactly. That's how we'll and that's end. how we do it with the, the Ibushi and Hama thing as well. So. Right. 
Good stuff, Joe. Anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, please read the Superstars reviews. You know, <laughs> just read one. I like this fast one. Now I, you're just off the rails. It's just now you're not even bothering anymore. It's, now it's, 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 it's getting like Superstars reviews. It turned into more of a stream of consciousness of what yeah, that's I, what I like, yeah. just happened to think of shit. So you get like three words if you're lucky of match breakdown, and you just get <laughs> paragraphs of stuff that's probably going to get me in the site in trouble. So just you know, read them because they're kind of wacky and they're offbeat, and um, and, and I think people who are ignoring the superstars of you because it's superstars and nobody cares about Naomi versus Rosa Mendez, and for good reason. I think you're missing some potentially uh, wacky stuff. So yeah. uh, give, give them a shot. A lot of fun as well. And another thing I want to mention, too, is uh, our, our new main event reviewer, uh, Rob McCarron, who's, who's doing really good work. And I know a lot of people, um, you know, observer board people, are they hate him for God only knows what reason, and they say his reviews suck or whatever. I, they, they don't. And if you read those main event ones, they're really good. And I think that's really helped um, a lot of it. I, I, I've, I've really enjoyed Rob's works thus far, and, and he's starting to do a little bit more with the site in general. So definitely check out his uh, main event reviews and, and be on the lookout for him to do much of other stuff coming, uh, you know, going forward. So Here's the thing about McCarron, okay, and what, what Rich is talking about, because not all of our listeners are, are part of the Figure 4 Observer Board. He does the raw reports for the Figure 4 Observer Board, and they're very divisive. There are people who fucking hate these raw reports. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> um, I think it's just because Rob has strong opinions, and he's not afraid to uh, let you know if he's strong. And that's exactly what we want here at Boys of the Wrestling. We want strong opinions. We want people like Rob Karen. We want people like Dylan Hale. We want people like Joe Lanza. We want people like Larry. Uh, all of our writers have strong opinions and back them up. And uh, we don't need you to agree with us. We don't need you to not agree. We just, you know, the fact of the matter is, Rob gets a strong reaction. And just like an actual pro wrestler wants some kind of reaction, whether it's positive or negative, you know, we want writers to get some kind of reaction, and Rob gets a reaction. So I, I do think he does a tremendous job. He does a great job with the main event review. Yeah, definitely. Um, anything else? Um, I'm trying to think here. Oh, you, you've been watching some odds and ends wrestling real quick uh, before we leave here. And is it, or should we expect another Joe Lanza reviews ten random matches? Yeah, I have one. All, I have one queued up. Um, it's it's it's. I, I have my notes. I have the 10 matches picked, and I have reviewed them. But the thing is, I'm going to wait, I think, until the G1 stuff dies down. And uh, I was going to release one uh, earlier this week, but I, I think I'm just going to hold off. There's just too much going on. There's a lot. It would just get lost in two seconds. So you lost in the shuffle, and I've got too much to write. You know, I get the, all the G1s and then uh, the Superstar stuff. It's just too much going on, so I'm, I'm going to hold off. And uh, but, but that series is definitely going to continue. I'm enjoying doing it a lot, I think. The first one got a good response, so since the people like it, uh, I'm going to keep doing it. And this time around, I found some pretty awful matches. So that's <laughs> that time the matches were too good. You know, I didn't really get to rip anything. I like the goal. Yeah, I like the goal. It's, we got to find some bad ones. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that. A uh, bunch of good stuff on the website right now as well. We have, you know, reviews of every major show, Impact, uh, every WWE show, main events, and, of course, all the G1 stuff. So definitely check that out, VoicesOfWrestling.com. Again, if you wanted to join the – the uh, PWG uh, bracket pool pick em thing we're doing. It's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash V-O-W dash P-W-G-B-O-L-A 14. So definitely join that. So, Joe, um, any last words before we get out of here? 
Yes, we like to advertise on Voices of Wrestling. Our site has gone up every month since last August. You can check out the advertising page. I don't know how current the statistics are there. I'm going to update those in the next few days. So by the time by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be updated. So plan is tomorrow to be updated. Great. So. We can uh, set up any kind of package you want. If you want mentions on the podcast, we can do that. If you want ads on the website, we can do that. We can do a combination of both. You can join some of our other partners. That includes WWNLive.com, AOL On Network, and WWE Shop. Good stuff. All right. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Creech, and we'll see you next time on the Voice Wrestling Podcast. Take care, guys. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer... This might be your new favorite. You're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants.